Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. That time of the week again, the Rugby League rant, fifth and last. Put on your headgear, chuck in your mouth guard and get ready for an hour of nothing but NRL tour. Welcome back for another week of the 5th and Last NRL Podcast. Find us on Facebook at 5th and Last NRL Podcast and at Twitter. It is at 5th and Last. That's the letter N, not the word and. Uh, obviously, as we said the last few weeks as well, if you've got iTunes and you're on there, remember, rate and review us, especially if you've been a long-time listener. Show us some love. Anything else, feedback, criticisms, bits and pieces, we're always open to it in the inbox and platforms. I've said it again, not only on iTunes now and on Audio Boom or on Spotify, and we're looking to get on more platforms. But Brock, back again for another week and uh, enjoying the football. Yeah, we're in person. That's so right. We're back, They're back together, uh, which is good. And uh, we've got a discussion group now on Facebook as well where there you go. people can join and um, get a little bit more intimate, I suppose, <clears> and... Uh, outside of you know the conversations that we have on our page, which are pretty generalised, I guess um, we're going to have some stuff. I kicked that group off today, so if you're on Facebook and you um, are one of the people that like or follow the podcast page, have a look. Um, I've shared that post today, so you just need to request to join. Um, and I've got it set up as automatic join, I think. Um, but worst case scenario, I'll check that every few hours and approve anyone if I have to. Yep, not a bad way for people to mingle between themselves as well. Yep. Um, I know, again, probably compared to some other pages where they're purely just posting content rather than putting audio content out, um, it's a bit hard during the week with work and other bits and pieces to constantly be on social media. So something like that's probably a good idea so people can discuss points that they listen to on the show or external of the show just on their own on that page. Yeah. So not bad at all. Uh, kick things off as we do as always when we kick off an episode for the week with the set of six, six points, topics, opinions, anything we want to talk about. I guess the first one, the most harped on point over the last few weeks to talk about is St. George. Um, they won. There was a lot of disdain and anger again during the week about a board meeting that a lot of people was hoping was the end of Mary McGregor's reign. We talked about it last week. Like Logically, I just did not see what people wanted them to do. They've got themselves between a rock and a hard place with giving that extension, probably wrongly, uh, as many would admit. But what are you going to do? Dan Young's not the man to do it. They don't want to skirt around the rules and pretend that maybe he's coaching and let Flanagan potentially get into trouble again with Jamie Shepard. The Wayne Bennett move for next year, all those kind of... like. There's, there's too much shit going on. The safest thing... Press forward with what they've got. You've already got Flanagan there. You've got those guys on board. And as much as we've said it a million times, it was more the players than anything. Yes, there were some small changes. Yes, it did give them a result. But at the end of the day, I actually think on top of that, the players had a red-hot crack on the weekend for the first time. Yeah, I think the point to focus on out of this game was more how bad the Sharks were. Yeah. They're in big trouble. They they were terrible in that game. Mm. The Dragons were good, no doubt. And 
I think it was just more the energy. The energy of the Dragons exactly. was up there. That's a bit It had nothing to do with ability. Their losses had nothing to do with ability. No. They threw two games away prior to COVID and, uh, and just started the year flat. And they, they looked and still look to me off the pace in terms of their speed yeah. um, and their conditioning. Uh, they had plenty of ball on the weekend, which helped, but they don't look as sharp as some of the other teams. And that, that game, again, if you're ranking it in terms of intensity and quality, it wasn't one of the highest from the weekend. So I think the, the Titans will be of a similar ilk of what the Sharks are. Like, they're not... The Titans aren't going to blow the doors off them. So it'll be interesting to see whether the Dragons can string two games together and, and improve on what we saw at Campbelltown on Sunday afternoon. Mm. Uh, the other point to this, and said this a million times before, everyone's saying Ben Hunt's and nine, Ben Hunt's and nine. Well, I know he plays off the bench there for Queensland and he gets a utility run for Australia, but it's bad recruiting, realistically, if you pay $1.2 million for a half who is now your hooker <laughs> when you've already got a hooker. Mm. You paid good money and you've made him your club captain, etc. And he's obviously willing and it looks as on the weekend committed to play in that position where he moves McInnes after 20 minutes into the middle just to play. But it goes back to what I said before. And I know there's been arguments between he bought this player or he didn't buy that player, etc. He basically distanced himself from the fact the other day that beginning of 2018 or so, he said this is basically what I was after. But then he lost, uh, obviously, Jack to the circumstances that we all know are still continuing. Gareth Widot bailed out to go home, etc. And that for the most part, he hasn't had full control. Mm. since said time I don't think and again you can try and put it all on him but he doesn't decide the figure that's Ian Millwood's job Ian Millwood gave a six year or whatever plus deal 1.2 million dollars to Ben Hunt so why it's good right now to go yep that's it they've solved it you realistically looking at a 1.2 million dollar player now being a 60 minute hooker it's still not good business and why Clune looks good with Norman right now and that solves the problem temporarily it doesn't fix a problem long term you've now got a plug-in player for 75k right now in the halves who would get easily a bump up if he keeps playing there for the whole season. There's no doubt about it. You've got a million dollars attached basically to Corey Norman. You've got over a million dollars into Hunt who has now, again, pushed a hooker out of a hooking spot to play another position in lock. And I'm not getting into the nitty-gritty of that case that's coming up, but they're saying there's potential that Jack DeBellin's case could be thrown out by the end of this month. And if that's the case, well, he's back, Monday. He's back playing football. So we've got the thing again where this is all just overlapping. There's a lot going on. There, so, there's, a, there's a heap going on. But in the end, their, their job is to play footy. And play I, better footy. More to this point again uh, about the players stepping up and taking responsibility is what you said about Morris. And we heard during the week, St. George and the whole Dragon situation and McGregor is taking the full brunt. But poor Johnny Morris, he's copied it from left, right and centre. He inherited a hard situation. He's been stitched up with a squad that he's mostly blooded the kids that he's been dealt with coming through. But you got Josh Dugan, who went to a couple of doctors basically in the off-season for more word and tried to get himself medically retired, who's now playing. You've got Matt Moylan, whose hamstrings are made of paper mache. And you've got Sean Johnson, who Flanagan signed, which cost them their own, his own son. You've got three guys, again, essentially close to a million dollars a piece or all duds. That aren't performing. And yeah. he's stitched up with that. Bronson Cherry thing's out of his control. Now he's got murmurs after one year where he took a bad situation last minute and got him to the finals that he's going to get sacked as well. So it's another one of these situations where I look at it and go, well, fuck, there's got to be some more accountability on the group or what's happened beforehand. You've got to cut him some slack. Yeah. And then they're talking about Eddie Jones. Like, God bless Eddie Jones. He's a hell of a coach and he's done good things in rugby union, but he hasn't coached rugby league. No. 
And then today they talked about Paul Green. And then there's been mentions of other coaches already. Like poor John Morris. This is another one of these situations where I just sit there and look at it and go, Are you for real? Yeah. Like he's taken control of a bonfire. He's dealt with a salary cap exemption that got put on him because of Flanagan. He's got three or four guys there that are holding up anything else. They've struggled to squeeze all those young kids in as is. And they were trying to squeeze Sherry in, who was potentially going to go to the Roosters. Now they've lost him. <clears throat> Otherwise, like this, this is not a making of his situation. And similarly, again, you watched that game the other night. People like Sean Johnson, Josh Dugan, etc., guys on that money, or Moylan, like, is he doing poorly with his rehab? Does he not take it seriously? Is he just injury prone? I don't know. But probably a mixture of all that. Like, and, and the other one is Paul Fafita. Like, to know circumstance of his own, he's been great for a long period of time now. But that knee must be really bad. We heard a lot in the off season that it wasn't good. Yeah, he was not moving around well at all. No, it wasn't. That, like that one, to me, looks like grounds for a situation where you might be able to sit down at the end of the year at some stage and say, like, you know, are you willing to move on or can they get him in that position to be able to operate on the open market? But, like, they just look slow. Like, mm. if he loses his mobility, that's massive. The big part of him is the engine, the movement, the footwork. And you've got Aaron Woods there, who we already know is one-paced. So if you've got those two in the front row now and if he's hobbled and then you've got one-paced Woods, it's definitely not helping your middle rotation. And then to be stitched up, as I've said, with those few guys on huge money who just have not delivered at all. It's not the doing of the current coach. No. It's a hard situation. If anything, supporting through the season, try and get moves here where if it is Dugan moving on or Matt Moylan, there was a million teams linked to him apparently in the off-season. Yeah. Maybe you have to pay some of that wage to get him off the books. I don't know. But maybe they're better off. It's certainly not of John Morris's doing. He's walked into the majority of the decisions that are there. And then now you're throwing the Bronson Cherry situation as well. And then they're talking about other coaches already. He he got you to the finals and steered you through all this shit. The other thing that concerns me from John Morris's perspective is what he said in his post-match presser in that, you know, he hasn't really spoken to anyone at the board. No one's told him about or even reassured him about his job. Um it just makes it a really hard situation. He sort of said, look, it surprised me that my job's under pressure. Mm. No one from the club spoken to me. I had to hear it through the media after a win. Yeah. And I'm going to roll one they're, more. They're a club on tilt. Yeah. The, the Sharks at the moment, aren't they? Something's got to give. Uh, I'll roll one more into this one because we have another piece that we picked up before with this. But just to finish off, if anyone should be under pressure and rightful pressure, and mm. again, I'm not the one, again, I want to level things at coaches. I want to support coaches. But Paul Green. Paul Green. The grand final, then the miracle run into the grand final. I know since then people will say, oh, Morgan's been injured or McLean and these guys have been injured. But every year they've made moves or had signings or had kids come in. They've had things happen to try and regenerate or roll over again. And with that, nothing's changed. Yes, they've had some bad injury luck, but just everything seems stale up there. Yeah, Everything seems so-so. Everything seems the same. And if getting Maguire and McLean up there with Tamalolo didn't work, then this year it was, oh, we need a backline recruit. So they got back Valentine Holmes. They got Isan Masters. They got Hamaso, who you saw play last week. They got Drinkwater last year from the Storm. Like, it's not as though they haven't been bringing players in. Nothing's changed. Mm-hmm. And on top of that, some of the signings or some of the guys they've kept, just unnet- like Gavin Cooper this year, no offense, he was injured, but he looked off the pace last year. And straight away last week, he was put back in the lineup. Uh, there's a handful of guys there again, like a Justin O'Neill. I know he had some bad injury luck as well, but surely they'll pass the point with him. Like it just seems they look old. Still a bit of the old, and they've been rolling new stuff in every year, but nothing's changed. It seems the same old, same old. If Tamalolo is not on the field and doing it for him, 
it's not happening. And I know Morgan, as I said, again, is not on the field now and hasn't lived up to that standard. But at some point, it's got to give. And then last year, the word was that Morgan was off with Green because Green basically sprayed him and had a crack at him and, and a lot of the group were off. So when you look at that, yes, he's been successful. They've played finals. They had the grand, miracle grand final run after originally winning the 2015 grand final. But I think if anything's coming to a halt, that's one of the situations where I'm looking at it going, well, they've bought you players. They've turned the roster over. They've got you Robson. They've got you Masters. They've got you Holmes. They've got you Maguire. They've got you McLean. We've had kids push into the squad. Like, what's it going to take? Yeah. You've got Clifford, who was the under-20s player of the year. He's not playing good football. You've got Drinkwater out of Melbourne last year, who I really wish is still at Melbourne. Like, that's a legit situation where I'm looking at it going, it's not getting better. Bar some of those small injury things, but even when everyone's there, I'm still not seeing what I should be for the investment and what they do every single year. Uh, like, that's a legit situation where I'm not after the coach, but I'm looking at it going, okay, well, something's got to give here. They probably do need to roll some more players over, but it's not like they haven't been getting in the market every year and getting quality. No, he's certainly so, under pressure. He, yeah. He's under pressure. It's a, it's a top eight roster. Yeah. And so, you know, whether whether he gets to go around again next year, who knows? But it's been a few years now since they've made finals, isn't it? They didn't last year and, and maybe they, the year before, wasn't Because the year before was JT's first uh, last year and they missed as well, didn't they? Yeah. They played you guys in the last round or second last round. Yeah. So it's been two years. And then the year before, they only just scraped in. That's when they played Melbourne in the grand final. Miracle run in the GF. And Morgan hasn't played a good game since. Mm. So, like I said, I know there's some extenuating circumstances, injuries, etc. But they've been rolling players in. They've got kids I think the, the most concerning... New stadium. ...rumour, I guess, is... Or the most concerning point out of all that is that Paul Green's off with the playing group. Because you know that never ends well. No. If he's off with the playing group and they're not winning, then things usually come to a head pretty quickly. But yeah, that's just rolling through some bits and pieces there. The Dragons buy themselves some temporary relief, but then you get yourself into a position where you're looking at, if this is the moves we have to make with our squad, well, then we're recruiting wrong. Or we've, yeah, we've I something. mean, when I, I love it how, you know, a win solves everything. It's yeah. like, well, does it? It no. only really means that they're not on the bottom of the table. It doesn't no. alleviate all their problems. It doesn't alleviate their roster problems. It doesn't mean they're going to play finals. It doesn't mean they're going to win another game all year. No, and again, it's not all on the coach, though. They're not going to play many bad, uh, many worse teams than, than Cronulla on how they rolled out on Sunday. Well, from memory, they get the Titans this week, which again, they've already That's, played the they Bulldogs. Win that game. Yeah, they've played the Bulldogs and the Warriors, which were both winnable games. So, but the Titans not, are no mugs. Like, no, no. Really, the Titans beat uh, the, the West Tigers, yeah. and the West Tigers are, to me, a better side than Cronulla. Mm. They beat Cronulla the week 100%. prior to that. So. That shows you also the inconsistency of the bottom sides and why they won't play finals. Correct, yeah. If we're being serious, the Dragons have to win this week again. 100%. And then after that, it gets hard, I'm pretty sure. Then they run Roosters, Roosters. Raiders, Eels. So Mm. they need to get these two together at least. But if the three after that get ugly again, well, then what? Are we back kicking him in the ribs again and saying it's all his fault? It'll only take a loss or two, and then we'll be back to square one. Same (laughs) as Dean Pay. Dean Pay got relief, and then now he loses last night, and it's all back on again. He's in that situation where I talk about Morris again, where people hear the paper, and they hear the journos, or people pressing the case, and you're like, well, actually sit down and look at it. Be objective, not, you know, biased, or just, oh, yeah, I heard this in the media, and I completely agree. Like, he's been fed an absolute wheelbarrow of shit. He's done all the spade work for him, and now they're having problems signing players because people are asking, who's the coach going to be? And you wonder why. Because maybe Dean Pay doesn't get him over the line, but players still want to know what they're coming to. And they've got this money. They need to sort it out, like we said last week, for their own sake. Whether it's Dean Pay or not, whether I agree with that or not, you need to have a plan moving forward now that he's dug you out of that salary cap situation 
got you through with this group and you're about to get on the market. They've got Luke Thompson, who's fresh over here. He's going to be great for him, hopefully. Um, you know, I've said last week that I think Avarillo's a real bright spark. Last night, he busted the roosters open a couple of times and looked like one of the only guys that had any threat in him. Like, you need to decide that. That that part needs to be sorted. Right or wrongly. Agree. And the yeah. last one I want to give here was someone that everyone was kicking while he was down and they've started off well and they've had the worst circumstances of everyone. Stephen Kearney. He's done a great job of that group so far. Absolutely. I know they were flat last week and probably rightfully so, but again, this week, they popped back up. It was a loose game of football. Still rolling players in and out every week. Still got guys that are injured and they've come over here and had a red-hot crack. And uh, again, they played Tamalolo. Hunter Holmes and a couple of guys got injured early, but like they, they played a decent side, realistically, if you want to look at names on paper, mm. and they beat them. So yeah. if there's one person that everyone was laying the boot into again also before a ball was even kicked, Kearney, like Kearney to me, I don't care about next year. He's got a reprieve just on how all this has panned out so far. They couldn't win another game this year, and I don't give two shits. Stephen Kearney's coaching the Warriors again next season. Yeah. So there's a little bit from the coaching roundabout and a bit of frustration there, but... Tackle two uh, from that round gone, Eels-Panthers. That was a ripper game of football. I just wanted to talk about how much I enjoyed that and two good sides. It was a group one game. It was a great game of football. Group one game. Um, the Ford battle. The that, I, haven't, I haven't enjoyed a game of footy like I enjoyed that game for a very, very, very long time. It was it was, it was a belter. And I think Penrith was probably the better side for at least 60 minutes of the game. I think I took two things out of it. I was extremely impressed by Penrith and the fact that they were so resilient to hold on through gluts of possession. And then when you actually go through and look that Nath hasn't played for a few weeks, Luai's still only a couple of games in, Aitkins is four or four ga- five games in, like all key position sort of players. And then you've got a 19-year-old centre. You know, Catewell is brand new to the club, only playing his second game back after being injured. I, I really didn't think that they would be able to hold on with all the pressure and then come back and score twice. But on the flip side of that, it's probably the first real you know, good side we've seen Parramatta play. And Parramatta, rather than doing what they've done in the past and shit the bed or panic or you know, get impatient, I thought they were patient enough, built pressure, strangled Penrith during that possession period and then found the points when it mattered and they got the result. Yeah. So good signs from both sides. But I just wanted to say that was a ripper game. I love the contact on the field from those microphones. Some of the hits... And I know we're from Penrith, we're not Penrith fans, but there's nothing better, and it hasn't happened very often that I can think of in my lifetime, when they're both doing well, mm. and they just go at each other. They yeah. went at each other the other night. That was pure, like, Westy hatred for one another. Yeah, it was good. It's a good game of football. Real, real good. Um, they're finals teams. Definitely. They're both finals teams. Definitely. No Based on that, that performance, yeah. Yeah. And, and, to be fair, what they've both produced all season. Yeah. And I've said it before, I think Parramatta's obviously probably had an easier run, but they've been more consistent. And Penrith, there's just been patches in their game mm. where they've been a bit up and down. But I think we saw a better string of form through that game the other night, but they just ran out of gas in the back I end. had a Penrith fan at work peg me during the week saying that um, Penrith have just fallen away in all their games in the last 20 minutes. So, mm. um, I don't know. I don't know what to make of it. No. I don't think it's a conditioning issue. So, they're just going to... Maintain it for for sixty minutes. I, I think you'll probably find that it's a possession trend, really. Well, look at Brisbane. Yeah, Brisbane's been the biggest sufferer of possession, that's for sure. Uh, tackle three. Moving on again. The COVID reschedule. Crazy, crazy, crazy thing to happen day before a game. But well done to the NRL for the way that was handled and the clubs. They were straight on top of it. Aiden Tolman, obviously, uh, 
His kids attended that Laguna school where a teacher was tested positive. That was then reported by Tolman to the clubs. He didn't breach any rules or anything. It was one of those crazy situations that just happens within final the guidelines. He was tested immediately. Obviously, he had been to training post that being in contact with his daughter who'd been at the school. So then the whole squad had to be tested. They were all that accelerated. Mm. The game was pushed back a day and we, we fought it on last night and we got some football still. Yeah. So handled like true pros. The NRL still leading the way, I reckon. Oh, outstanding. To, to put it on, when I read it, I was like, oh, shit, the game's I, I postponed. Thought, yeah, we've got big and then trouble. I clicked on it and it said Monday night. I was like, oh, even oh, better. We're going to get the test. We're going to test these <laughs> players. We're going to get that. He's still going to be isolated for his period of time. There'll be another test to make sure. Like, it was just so well handled. And then, again, that was my next point that we got here, tackle four. Monday night football. Bring it back. I enjoyed it so much more than Thursday. Like, I love a game on Thursday, but I've got to get to work on Friday. And I know I've said this a million times and everyone's heard it. You've got to go to work on Tuesday too, dickhead. Yes, but Monday is a reward. Monday is the worst day of the week by far. A game of football on Monday night is like cracking a beautiful can of Super Dry and just ripping in it on Saturday. Mm. Or having some of the Colonel's finest, fresh, hot drumstick at top of the bucket, into my gob. It's just... Top of the bucket. It's good times. It's, yeah. it's a warm hug on a Monday. It's great. It's like yeah, Nan's, I, I, Nan's soup when you're sick. Yeah, no. Monday night football. It's so much better than Thursday night football. You used to eat that shit on me. Oh, yes. Uh, yeah. I just prefer Monday to Thursday. I don't 100%. even want to go into it. Why? I just... Monday's way better. I think they can do both. They can have Thursday and Monday. This bullshit about uh, too many five-day turnarounds, please. I, I don't see it as an issue at all. Nah. You have a handful of five-day turnarounds. Just means coaches, you got to train once less in that cycle. Bad luck. Yep. More recovery. And again, I've said this before from my experience. That's what it is. The coaches complain. It's yeah. not about coaches complain about player everything. welfare. The no. player welfare <laughs> should be in, in in the fact that recovery. you recover, yeah. And so we all know this. And in, was... Maybe in the Super League, they play uh, Good Friday oh. into Easter Monday. They get a two-day turnaround. Well, did you hear that the other day? Apparently, their relaunch is in August, and they're talking about doing exactly what Simon Wolford said was insanity to start with. They're going to play every three days or something to catch up. Yeah, good. So they're talking about doing Sunday, Wednesday, Saturday or something crazy like that where they're like three days, three days, three days. They're going to get all knock out the rounds to get things back up to where it needs to be. Because they need the money. I just thought, yeah, well, they definitely need the money. But I was like, wow, you're going to be some sore bodies if you're playing three every three days. Yeah, good. That's going to be turbulent. Hope their squads well, are healthy. you think about it, like back, back to when we were playing junior rep footy and schoolboy arrival. Oh, I know. Cup, like it was... Sometimes you're playing three times in six days, three times in seven days. The worst part of that, though, is you're still And that's growing. 18s footy. Yeah. That's not far off, you know, senior level footy. That's why so many kids get injured, though. Oh, obviously. no, I agree with you, that. You, you're not recovering. You're still growing. You're yeah. developing. Whereas at this level, it's top flight. But the physicality, I guess, on a completely different level. But neither neither is really healthy. Let's put it that way. But yeah. in this unprecedented times, is that word that everyone's still using? Yeah. Uh, for the Super League, I guess, whatever helps. But... Good for them. I'm pretty sure they got government dispensation. I said that maybe a month or so ago from the UK government. So they've been supported and, and topped up a little bit there, which is good. Yeah. They're supporting the game of rugby league, in particular uh, the people up north that are generally the more rugby league areas of England. So uh, tackle five, a positive one, a real positive one, crowds. As of July 1, they're talking the one in four rule, so 25% capacity for stadium. They said only for stadiums up to 40,000 seater. I don't think that's going to be the case. Surely they're going to let you back into some of those suburban grounds as well. But realistically, if you put that to scale, I saw some figures the other day 
for certain stadiums, but say if you're a Panther fan or in our situation that you just want to go to a game of football and Penrith's the closest stadium, the 25% rule they're saying is about 5,500 people. How that would work. Is it corporates? Do they message their members first, etc.? I don't know, but we're all bloody excited, I'm sure, that we're a step closer to being able to go to games. We saw the corporates the other night, and again, saw some people pissed off about that, going, why do they get in first? The, you know, the blue-collar, hard-working people do that. I agree to some extent, but who puts the sponsors on the jerseys and money in the pocket of the clubs? Like, you can't basically flip the bird to your sponsors when you've only got a couple of hundred people you can get in the ground. Of course, the clubs are going to take care of the people that help clubs stay afloat or sponsor clubs. And in particular, in times like these, if you had sponsors that were taking a hit as well or also financially hurting a little bit who are still tipping in, like that's the reason they're in there first. Yeah. It's none of this, you know, overlords instead of the, the real fans. They're paying money to support your club. So that's the reason why with the limited numbers, they're the first ones to get back in. But when we get to, say, those 5,000 numbers or if they use ANZ, for example, or one of those bigger stadiums, you can get about 20,000 there. Yeah, good. You don't get that to a lot of normal club games. I'm sure now you probably get close to that straight away with the 25% because some people would just be so keen to go to a game. Yeah, no, definitely. But hopefully, on the back, piggybacking off that point, I'm hoping by August we're close to 50% or more. That'd be great. It would be. It'd be fantastic. That'd be the real goal. Because my goal by the end of this year, and I do it every year, I go to Melbourne at least once. I do a weekend, fly down, hit the casino, have a good time in general, but go to Amy Park and attend a game. Obviously, we've still got borders closed at the moment and we've only just got a little bit of crowds coming back. But I'd love by the back end of the year or hopefully by, say, I don't know, around 14, 15, that there's a run at the back end there where I can fly a state, go to a game um, and have a full crowd or close to a full crowd or at least half. Mm. But I don't know. Good signs for all the fans out there. Hopefully, we're all back soon. And in particular, in our case, it's only around the corner of Penny Park. Have a army on Beer Hill. Absolutely. Watch some foosball. And the last point to finish on here, tackle six. Uh, only just saw it basically before we're coming on air while we're eating dinner. Graham Ennisley, I think you said, sent a letter today or a notice to all the coaches. Yeah, to all the clubs about uh, the, I guess, deterioration of the new laws and the interpretations and, I guess, teams just taking the piss, basically. Well, that's on the referees to interpret the new rules. If they're not enforcing them, of course the players are going to take the piss. We're already yeah. My issue with this, again, like you put that out, stop fucking talking, do something about it. The refs, the first week, hammered a couple of teams. Yep. Penalised them, sixes again. I don't care if you've got to call three six again calls to get your point across straight away. Mm. I don't care if you have to call 12. It's cool. That was the point of the rule. Yep. But if you do, like we said the other year, where you say every year they used to go, we're cracking down on this, and then they stopped after a few weeks, or we're cracking down on that, or now we've got the six again rule, we're not looking to give penalties and we're going to use the sin bin. If three weeks in, that stops. That's not the fucking player's fault. That's not the coach's fault. And people can blow up and complain and point fingers and go, oh, they did this and they did that and rah, rah, rah. What's the fucking ref's job? Yeah. Officiate the game. If you feel they're trying to get away with a blue murder, hammer them. Tear them shreds for 15, 20 minutes. And when they're tired, they'll stop wrestling pretty quickly. Yeah. Or they'll stop trying to infringe or they'll stop trying to jump offside. And the touch judges... Touchy's got a job. People are complaining already. Oh, everyone's jumping offside. Well, I'm pretty sure there's a guy in pink or a girl in pink on both sides of the field. We've just cut the staff no, numbers no, in I half. No, I can of me. I, yeah. And then Paul Crawley, we were just watching 360. Oh, he Crawley. started... Run at me, Paul Crawley. He started <laughs> fucking bagging hell. the shit out of Melbourne and saying it's Melbourne's fault and that Everything's the Melbourne's game fault. with Melbourne on the weekend was just hard to watch because there was so much wrestling. 
like again, just this illusion that Melbourne are the only team that wrestle. Yeah, uh, or push the envelope. That. It's yeah, it's again, it, it gets rolled out every year, and Melbourne no invented doubt they're, COVID. Melbourne invented. They're everything. about to roll it out because yeah. Melbourne are four and one, and they're in the top four. Yeah, they played highlights of all these other teams wrestling, grappling. I mean, I, I, found, I find like, it, I find it strange that they rolled out the you know Cameron Smith's. It's one of the best games Cameron Smith's played in the last two or three years. For the first two days, said nothing about the wrestling. So everyone that watched the game obviously thought that Cameron Smith played the bigger role in the result, not the wrestling. And then now it comes to, you know, Tuesday, and all of a sudden, because the journos, I guess, are peddling the agenda, it then now goes back to the wrestling. And Because the fact of the matter is, post-game, the players determine the headlines. Yeah. And, the, and the headline was how well he played how well Cameron Smith played. But now later in the week, once that has, you know, eased and gone to the limelight a little, it gets rolled out about the wrestling, which like, is... You, you don't think Parr and Penrith were trying to wrestle the other night or steal time or do every, whatever? Every t- like, yeah, again, we're not going to go around in circles about like, wrestling, but... Um, it's just more hypocritical. It was frustrating. It's more hypocritical to, to sit there and listen to someone like that carry on again and find... An, and the other thing, why things have been so good for a few weeks, you've got to find a negative. And then again, we'll do the easy one. We'll have a pick shot at the purple mob that are across the border who don't probably watch this on the TV, drive the Sydney agenda, talking there. And then I think, Ben, if anyone watches it, I know a lot of people right out there that I've seen on Twitter all the time, which I find quite funny. You wonder why people don't watch this with these fucking journos you have on here destroying the game, basically, or shredding the game every week and complaining. If anyone does watch it, just watch Ben Iken. I completely agree with everything that Ben Iken said, that if Tommy Radonikas jumped offside or did something in Iraq or anyone else did it, we'd be applauding them for it. But because it's Cameron Smith or it's someone from Melbourne again, we just always find a negative. Fucking journos. Unfortunately, yeah. Do something. <clears throat> like, you write one positive story for probably every 10 negative thing or comments negative. This is bad. Mary's this. The Dragons are shit. They're like, maybe talk objectively about something for once and actually look at a situation rather than just carry on like a pork chop. Yeah. Like we, I thought we gave a pretty fair and objective summary last week of like the Dragon situation or before about the Paul Green. Like I didn't just blatantly come out and say, Paul Green should be sat because rah, 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 and this and that and the other. Like you give evidence towards it or you yeah. give an objective view. They've had a couple of years. They've gone backwards. They've still been rolling quality players in. They've got an origin player. They've got a, a bloke who was touted for origin in Jordan McLean from a premiership winning side. Valentine Holmes was a marquee player and record try scorer for Australia in the World Cup before he took off to the Jets. Drinkwater was red hot. He got Clifford Ixer. I've got basis to what I'm saying rather than just peddling negative bullshit and carrying on, basically. Yeah. But I was more disappointed watching it with you because I've loved the first three weeks we've had back and straight away they oh, got It was on. always going to happen. Yeah, it's always going to eke slowly back in. You know, we're talking about referees. We're talking about wrestles. So it's only taken three weeks for us to return to normality. It's pretty simple for you, Paul Crawley. The referees referee the game. If they stop adhering to the rules and a rule that was made up after a stoppage in an unprecedented, I got it in there again, year, where we've suddenly gone back to one referee, chucked in a couple of new rules and interpretation changes, like, what do you expect? You didn't think there was going to be any hiccups or any slights or that every single team and coach that we know personally ourselves isn't trying to find a way to already bend the rules or find a way back in? If anything, the way that the game's changed and with one referee, oh, yeah. the wrestlers become more important. Craig Bellamy didn't send a fucking group email to all 15 clubs telling them that this is what we're going to be doing from now on, did he? No. Everyone... But if you study if you study the video, you know Melbourne, you know what they're going to do. Everyone does it. Everyone's so... doing it. But, yeah, bit of negativity to finish on for just the journalist. Be happy. 
They can't be. It's impossible. Stop peddling shit It's, it's an easy game. story. It's weak journalism. It is weak journalism. Shit journalism. That's what it is. Alrighty. What frustrated me was the fact that they won't get anyone on from Melbourne to talk about it. Yeah, exactly. That's get, what they should do. If you if you want to if you want to criticise, at least yeah. give get the person you're criticising on. And because they always do this backwardly, like they won't have anyone from Melbourne on no. for the next you know six to eight weeks until this eases, and then all of a sudden at the back end of the year, because Melbourne will be going good, all they'll want is access to Melbourne players yeah. and coaches. And the one thing they'll do that they'll do it without the other journos there who are throwing the pot shots. Yeah. So it'll be Benny and. Kenty and Kenty will be quiet because he generally lays the boot in as well, and it'll be Ike and Ike asking a couple of questions to Smith or someone, and it'll have nothing to do with any of those things. Yeah. If you like, you said you want to get right to the tooth and nail of it, get Craig Bellamy on. Talk directly. He does yeah. Bellamy's bunker. He does bits and pieces of Fox. Let's get him on with all the journals and see what they've got to say to Bellamy. Yeah, I reckon it'd be great. Hopefully, he starts snarling and frothing at the mouth. <laughs> And giving it back, but but at the moment, and they've they've done this for yeah. as long as I they can remember. They do it remember. every year, every time before. They've the never finals. they've never addressed it directly. Yeah. Same as neither of any of the clubs. And I don't know how many times I've said it. One of the first things when I went to see the Canberra facilities is, oh, look at this new artificial turf and this setup we've got out here. I'm like, what's that for? Like, that's our wrestling setup. We've got this whole area here when it's cold and this, that, and the other where we can come indoors and wrestle on the grass and get a feel. I'm like, well, yeah, everyone's bloody doing it. Of course they are. Don't point the finger one way. And again, like you said, weak journalism. You want to know about it, get Smith on. Talk to the horse. Get Bellamy on, get someone on. Actually address the issue rather than taking pot shots from up here in Sydney and driving a shit agenda through your paper. Uh, reviews of the games from the weekend. Pretty good round of football. There were some good ones. Uh, a couple of blowouts amongst it. But overall, thought it was a pretty good round. But started off Manly Broncos. And I'll tell you what, in the first half, uh, after all the criticism they got last week, they certainly turned up. They were full of intent. Lots of energy. I think they kind of shocked Manly, to be honest. I don't know if Manly, you'd say, turn up thinking they were going to get an easy win, but uh, they looked frustrated. They were making errors. Their, their shape was terrible. They were all over the place. And some more young blood, despite the injuries and all the reshuffle, certainly made a difference. Um, like Xavier Coates, he's a freak. We watched him play that 20s game the other year, and he was just chucking people on the ground like little children when he was 17. But yeah, to think he's 19 and the shape that he is right now, in two or three years when he's actually a man... Dear Lord, look out. He jumped all over Funa. Stags, we saw a bit of that brilliance again when he come up with that kick, run through, regather. Uh, they had the no try there, which I thought was a shit call, to be honest. I know the runner. People would argue that, yeah, he's in the line and he looks like he's pulling up, whatever. Cherry Evans had plenty of time to adjust and they, the guy was coming back in that space and he just blatantly grabbed him. I know what the rule is, but from a football playing perspective, I just think that's fucking shit. Mm. There should be common sense. There's rules and they're black and white, and I get that. But I, I thought across the weekend there was a couple of bad ones. That wasn't the only one. I'm not just kicking that one out there for Manly fans, but DC, well done. He saved his team a try. They still conceded one not long after, and it was it was a great start uh, in terms of things for the Brisbane Broncos in that first half. They looked much better disciplined. Their go forward was good. So much more energy. Boyd Milford actually had some involvement in the game. Um, and like I said, a couple of those young blokes. But the second half, same stories we've seen every single week. Ill-discipline and errors. And in particular, <clears throat> the discipline. They had eight penalties go against them in a row. And they just starved themselves of the football. It was 80-20 after a 20-minute period as far as possession. And Fanua Blake coming on early after a reshuffle with Tapau was absolutely... I don't even know what to say. He was epic. Rolled up field. He set the tone for everything they did. DCE off the back of that, I thought controlled things pretty nicely. 
had himself a nice try, controlled things. Tom had his hand in a few things at the back end of the game as well. Jake, as always, but uh, yeah, I just thought second half they really picked it up. And again, people saying last week that Manly were robbed or they had some calls go against them. I thought Brisbane were a bit hard done by in the second half as well. In particular, they were pinned in all that desperation time there for about 10 plus minutes. Milford's got the sack to come up with a 20-40. He's kicked it, hit the line. The touch, he's just blown it off, completely ignored it. I don't know if they had a captain's challenge still by that point off my memory because it's been bloody five days since, but like that's a big call. You've taken the risk to kick play three to get yourself out of trouble. They didn't get that one. Yeah. Again, I didn't think the obstruction was a great call. Um, so you want to talk about things to possibly turn games or get a, a, a bit of a little win. I think they got a win there. Oh, yeah. Um, and then on the flip of that, just as I said before, the main thing was their discipline. Like Stags, they have a great kick finally after they've been under pressure for 20 minutes. He's not even square at marker. He just jumps in on the play the ball. And it goes back to what I said the other week. For everything he does, brilliant. There's just still a bit of a snap moment in him or ill-discipline. Or Lodgy, who's copped a lot of shit the last two weeks, he had a ripper game the other night and tore in, but second half, he just boiled over. He was arguing with the ref, he was giving away dumb penalties, and they, they just torched themselves in the end. Manly hunted them down. Yeah, it was a game of two halves. Brisbane started really, really well. They were running hard, finding their front. Manly really didn't have an answer, but second half, it just fell away. Errors, penalties, they looked fatigued. Brisbane, they, they couldn't get out of their own end. They couldn't really find much grass or f- find much love with their kicking game. So, And they just they couldn't stop the rot. And they haven't been able to stop the rot for these last three weeks. As soon as it turns against them, mm. they really, really struggle to gain the ascendancy back, which is a concern. They looked excellent when they had the momentum. Mm. But as soon as it turned, it was, um, yeah, it was curtains. It was only a matter of time for Manly. The big thing for me is still the halves. Like, they won under the old set of rules, and a lot of people. Yeah, are going, I, I don't know how Tom Deaton can't get a game. I, I, I've said it before, and I said it again. And the amount of Melbourne people, and I even said that they were carrying on that when we let Croft go, that that was such a big thing. I don't rate Croft. I really don't. Mm. I, I think the other night. No, I, look, I think Milford's got to be the one to, to go. Hundred percent. He, he's playing terribly. Hundred um, percent. I thought Boyd had a better game, much better game. That's as yeah. good as he's played all year. Got onto the ball, had some scoots, was busy. Yeah, scored a good try. So. Yeah, Mil- Milford for me, I, I, I don't know. You, do you move him to one? And then you've got to put Dezarco out in the wing, but then you've got too many good wing. Like they've got so many good young players. Well, that's probably where I'd go, and then that's last chance saloon for Milford for me. I, I'd throw him at one. Well, if not, Dezarco was a junior Kiwi six that's been turned into a one in yeah, this mould of what we've talked about. I wouldn't be playing Dezarco. Do you put either. him up on the ball? I don't know. No. But... I, don't, I said last year that in those three or four games that I but loved then, Again, you're, sh- you're shelving Dearden. I loved Dearden. I loved him last year. The, the highlight game for me last year, I know the Roosters had a couple out. If you were not inspired last year when you saw an 18-year-old bag of bones just chopping blokes down left and right, which right now they're not getting out of Croft or Milford in particular on that side of the ball. Yeah. Like, and that Warriors game the week later they had last year, they won a scrappy game by a field goal or whatever. He got hammered that whole game. They just ran traffic at him. He did not give a fuck. Tough as shit. Good kicking game. Exactly what they saying they saying right now they need is an organizer. He is yeah. just that. You brought Croft, who showed in a system that floated him and gave him all the chances of the world and basically an international right edge that he couldn't float that. He's not an organizer either. Mm. He's a purely more runner. Like he played seven, yes, a system seven, but the best part of his game is running. Milford's best part of his game is running. You would have thought, as we said, hopefully these rules would suit them. 
But so far, again, when they've got the ball, it does seem to suit him and he can run or Milford can run, etc. But as far as controlling and closing out a game and doing that part, neither of them seem to have that part of the brain. Yeah. And you've got a rookie. Two very nine. similar players at the moment. Yeah. It's, but they're uh, not getting the job done. They're 0-3 since the res- resumption. Exactly. They've got to be better. And <clears throat> shit thing for them, i said this again, everyone's... I'll get Pangai back. They need Fafita back. Yeah, Fafita. Fafita's going to be a big one. Haas is carrying the load at the moment on with Carrigan. Carrigan was outstanding. You know, the Pakes night. at 9, he's struggling. Yeah, he's a, Can't get out 80. Australian schoolboy they half. Don't have a, um, they don't have a bench 9. Well, they do now in Isaac Luke, who I expect to play this week. So. Yeah. They're solving some issues. Their McCulloch decisions come back to bite him in hindsight, but he wasn't to know that. Yeah, I knew it at the time, though. Like they um, looked they at it and thought, injury. we're developing Pakes and we've got Turpin and it's a big chunk of our cap. And everyone yeah. was again carrying on about this this week, delay the boot in the Seabold again. But if you were sitting there doing that and you're about to renegotiate some of the young blokes' deals, you would have made the same move. Yeah, there's an agenda out there against Anthony Seabold at the moment. Yeah, well, Giorno peddled again or Brisbane Oldies. And I know the results aren't great, but like again, look at it objectively. Not at the moment. So. Not at the moment. I think things will turn. Again, I'm probably a little bit biased, but I tend to believe he's a good coach, and I think he'll turn that around. And I think they'll um, they will be a powerhouse. Well, I think the Broncos. Coates needs to be in there again this week. Definitely, Coates was great. Definitely, Farnworth's a goer too. You know, a lot of people forget they lost Jack Bird as well, mm. who was going to be their one. So I think the other thing is well for them at the moment: stability week to week. Like yeah, again, they've this had week, a shitload of injuries. Stags and they're young. Is injured. Arthur's injured. Like they've had a couple. Go out again. You know, not to compare, but we, we understand what that's like at SG ball level this year. We were, you know, in an 18s comp, pretty much running at an under-17 side mm. because we had a lot of so many injuries to on-age players. And it, it makes a massive difference. One year of age makes a massive difference. No, oh, especially at that age group when they're really hitting their straps. There's yeah. some men and there's some boys. We had boys out in the field at times. Yeah. Uh, I still, again, think some good positives. And they're the youngest roster. In the, I know he keeps peddling it out, yeah. but they are the youngest roster in the NRL. Mm. And again, you're looking to bear fruit like Penrith did when they rolled out some young kids within this rebuild. And obviously, I know everyone goes, about the five-year plan. They didn't win a comp, et cetera. But they've rolled through some pretty handy players over time. Yeah. They've got some handy players again now. But they've got a few guys to come back. Uh, Coach was great. Farnworth's a real goer. I thought Carrigan again. Haas, just without question. And Lodge definitely had a better game. But the halves need to be better. For Manly, it's a great win when you look at the whole situation as well on their side. Slow start, but they come in, they lost Siren and Tafil before a ball was even kicked. In game, Sully's injured, he's now going to be missing, and they lost Tapau early, so they had to make a quick rotation. So for them, why you're disappointed with the start, I'm sure Des was, to get the win, great result. Great comeback, and they just strangled Brisbane in the second half. Yeah. Second one, Warriors Cowboys 37 26. Was it? The cleanest game, no, but I found it very entertaining. There wasn't a whole lot of good defense going on, that's for sure. Yeah, I didn't want it but either. There was 12 tries. It was back and forth. There was multiple, multiple lead changes. I think the lead changed four or five times both ways before yeah. the Warriors got a break just with a bit of a glut at the back end of the game there where Hiku got some early ball and we're seeing centers in these new rules with with more space getting that early ball rather than that shape, getting himself in and scoring a try then not long after Egan had a kick that was obviously planned for, and they come screaming through, and Hickey got it again, and, and that just seemed to be the, the one that broke the back for the Cowboys at the back end. And We look at this, you know, they come into it. Tamalola, a lot of people are going, oh, they contain him. They did such a good job. Rah, 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 rah. He clearly wasn't 100%. They forced him back early, and again, proving my point, like they're putting way too much of a burden on him. I think Maguire's been having a red-hot go on these rules, and he's busy as, but he's not an impact forward. He's a worker. Yeah. 
but you need more out of your Hesses. You need more out of those two halves. I thought Robson, in his first starting game for nine, tried his ass off. But there's got to be more coming from other players. They yeah. lost McLean again. So it's another one of these guys. That you, he's just taken an option, much like a Milford or someone that you're looking at going, you know, if we had our time, if he didn't have the option, you wouldn't be re-signing him. Mm. Or if you were, it'd be on a significantly less amount of money. So I, I just thought there were some guys out there that were quite poor. Um the pressure's definitely going to mount. I know Holmes went off as well, but the burden is just always on Talmola. Probably the one highlight for them again is another good kit. We see you drink waters. We've seen a couple of games from Clifford. Robson looks a great boy, but Hamiso, Fido, who we saw play in the nines, a couple of really good touches, jumped straight into fullback, threw some nice passes. He's only 18 years old. Yeah. So that's another good piece there for the future. Uh, but... Funnily enough, again, you've just spent a million dollars on Valentine Holmes and you have someone like that in the wings coming through and they're saying they want to play him as a winger, but generally he's been a fullback the whole way through the grades. So if you knew about him, I'm not saying you don't go buy Holmes, but again, this is those things when we talk about moves or recruitment or planning. I think they were just set in, they were going to get Holmes. They really wanted him. Holmes wanted to come home. They pushed on it for the year before. They've pushed on it then, but you've basically neglected, like if we got a real winner right here, I don't know. I'm not, yeah. I'm not saying he's better than Holmes right now, but he looks pretty bloody handy for an 18-year-old. Mm. So, um, Warriors, full credit. They were flat last week. They bounced back this week. Again, some of those veterans. Hiku, one of his better games in a long period of time. Harris was outstanding again. Nikarim is certainly suiting these new rules when they're rolling. He's just able to run. Cut and die series, a pain in the ass to tackle. And then you got Blake Green, who, good game the first week. Bit off last week when they were on the back foot making errors and weren't playing good football. But when they're rolling forward, he's a great number seven. Controlled, kicked well, steered him around the park. Uh, they were good. They deserved their win. Yeah, agree. Couldn't agree more. Eels, Panthers, like we said. What a game. The speed of this game for as long as it was and the intent and the contact. Like I, I thought that speed maintained for almost the whole first half and probably 20, 25 in the second half until Panthers sort of wore down a bit. The general intensity across long periods was insane. The contact was outstanding. Uh, it's it's the best game I've watched this year by far. The possession... Agree, yeah. It was unbelievable. Mm. Unbelievable game. thought the Eels early with all the possession territory, etc. should have probably done more, but if anything, I was sitting there going, does this hurt Penrith? Or do they bounce back? And realistically, uh, they scored off the back foot, really, when you look at it. They, they were kind of pummeled for... 10, 15 minutes relentlessly. They both had two tries disallowed. The first one I could understand for Ferguson. I thought the fire one was a bit harsh again. Like, I thought that was a dog shit. They said they put his hand on him. He didn't fucking give him a huge shove or he didn't really like pivot for him. It's a bit of a contest. Like, yeah. I thought there was plenty of time to recover from that one, so I didn't agree with that one 100%. But uh, they found some love. Nice set of quick hands. They got the ball out to Toto, who again proved how talented he is. Dragged a couple over the line. Very, very powerful, very, very compact. So it was a, a good result for them. And then Cleary, not long in the half, just a nice quick shift there. And Crichton showed those smooth hands that he's got one of the best cash passes you're going to see from a young bloke in particular. And Graydon Sauce got over to get a 10 or lead at half time. You're kind of sitting there going, wow, that's a good response considering oh, yeah. what they've had. But second half, to Parramatta's credit, they don't do what we associate in the past and go into their shell or panic or get impatient and start doing dumb stuff, they just go back to the process. They kept belting them through the middle. They kept punching up the guts. 
I thought their bench, they kind of dropped off a bit when Evans and a few other guys come on. They got a bit loose. But once Paulo, Campbell Gillard had a big game against his former club, got back on, Madison, etc. I thought their whole forward pack was really, really good. Uh, Moses, they, they steered him in the second half. And Brown, Gutherson with plenty of involvement. They just strangled Penrith for a period there. And again, what we've talked about all these weeks, possession. Possession wins these games. It's becoming, it's actually becoming more and more vital. Yeah. More and more vital. And these periods like we talked about beforehand where you don't necessarily want to score, but if you can control the rock, get repeats, and just bury a team, you know that time's going to come. And it came for Parramatta. He yeah. scored three tries in five minutes where Penrith had just defended, defended, defended. They had repeat sets down in the 20. The first one was outstanding by Wanga Blake, but realistically, it's a one-on-one miss with a man standing flat, and he did what you should have done. He just choke-slammed Crichton, got himself in, Next set, straight away off the kickoff. Nathan Brown, pivotal. They get a good carry. Calls it down a short side on an early shift. He comes up with a good pass again with a retreating short side. But no one tips the square. Everyone was turned out. And as soon as Wanga Blake cut back on the grain, like two of them fell over. Awesome offload for Gutherson. And then the third one's just cruel luck. Yeah. They rolled downfield again. Aitkins is screaming across in the wet conditions, misses the football, and Madison jumps on it to score. So you got to give credit where credit's due. They, they stayed patient, they persisted, and they just ground them out. And Penrith late, put Burton on. Uh, he did make an impact. He threw a nice short pass, and I think it they was They had a chance even... Uh, you up know, until not, the 80th. Yeah, to win it, so... Too little, too late, not enough petrol in the tank. Yep. Great game of football. Belter, absolute belter. Thoroughly enjoyed it. I hope we get to see plenty more like that this year. One thing I will say, and we said this last week, I don't think you can pull a half with 10 minutes to go. I don't like it. No, I don't like it. You've, again, that's why I'm more saying. I may think Burton, but in, to me, you need to decide who are your halves. Or if you're going to play them, just play them as is. If you're going to chop and change, do it outside of, you know, in a, in a live game. Yeah. You had Jerome on there for 67, 68 minutes, and then at the end there, you've basically gone, well, I'll put Burton on, we'll try and win the game. Mm. Like That probably doesn't send a great message to Jerome, but at the same time, if you're going to carry him as your 14... Is he a utility? Are you covering him? Are you just throwing him out there for loose? But if you're going to pull your half, it's probably not a great confidence boost with 10-12 to go no, in a close game to say, yeah, I'm going to go with this bloke. Yeah. So, uh, again, I'm still not sold on the fullback situation, and I said it, it won't be Edwards for me to make a whole lot of difference with the ball playing. As much as I like Crichton where he is in the centres and he's been great there, I still think that if you can get Naden in the centres, get Crichton possibly at fullback or try the way there if you're on a ball player, there's just other options I'd prefer to try and solidify more spots on the field. But no doubt about it, they're a good team. But Parramatta, uh, that's the first real test. But the biggest test and the realest test is this week. they got the Roosters. So, yeah. Campbell Gillard and one Massive Blake. game. Probably the biggest game that we've we've seen, uh, a club game we've seen this season, no doubt. It's all well and good to earn your paycheck against your old club. But like some of the other night going, oh, after that, why would you have let Wanga Blake go? Well, that's one in fucking six games for Wanga Blake. Wanga Blake, if Wanga Blake was playing like that, he would never he would have never been really let go. Pushed out of penalty. Simple as that. And the other thing as well, they're going, oh, well, he blew the guy that replaced him. Crichton still had some good touches the other night, and he's 19. He's young. Wanga Blake's mid-20s, and they had him there for years. Blake had plenty of chances to solidify his exactly. spot there. But, but that game, how often and did also, you see that game? Crichton's on a lot less than Blake. 100%. And that's the whole but reason. how many times did you see that game? Yeah, that's right. So this week, again, for everyone carrying on about that sort of things, like Wanga Blake, do it against the Roosters. Yeah. Come up with those kind of plays every second week at least. Or in games where you're not making such big impact plays, like at least be busy. 
So, you know, there's plenty of raps like, oh, I bet they regret letting those two go. I'm like, well, fuck, up, up until the, those games on the weekend, I barely cited either of them. Yeah, correct. So let's see that more consistently. And again, both going to get a real challenge this weekend. I think Campbell Gillard's made a good start to his Parramatta time, but real forward pack coming this way. Jared, Tokiaho, Radley, Crichton, Cordner, etc. The Roosters rotation. This this is a great test this weekend. Yeah, it really is. So I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be a ripper game of football. But uh, those guys, as we said, were good. Still really enjoy the progression of Dylan Brown. Think he's he's only going to keep getting better. He's bloody 19 years old. Um, crazy to think about. Paulo. Paulo's minutes, the way he's been playing as well. Madison. Shit circumstances, don't agree with him, but great boy. It's worked out really well for him. Penrith, same old, same old. The fish. How good is the fish? Jeez, he goes hard. Yeah, going tremendously well. Yeah. Yo's been really good as well. Chorus Yo. Role. Added a different dimension to their attack. Yeah. Cleary was good. Yeah, he's solid. A few times, buddy. Again, he goes to the line. He doesn't have an option inside. He doesn't have an option outside. Nah. There was a couple of occasions there where he took off and just sort of didn't have the support that he needed. No. I think for them as well, that Kate Wall's been really, really good and you caught that blow straight away that he's got a medial and having surgery. Yeah. And they're now saying 10 to 14 weeks. So Liam Martin, who had a pretty good game, uh, he's prone to the penalty or an error. He's a goer, that's for sure. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I think Kate Wall, kick out was a really good varying combination on the edges. Now you've got... Martin coming in, is that the long-term choice there? Oh, I'm not 100% sure. I don't really want him to put Yo back on that edge because I like him so much in the middle, in particular with the new rules. So, yeah. see what happens, I guess. But I thought Catewell was going to be a really, really underrated buy and a good buy. His first two games were great, but that's a bit of a blow. When you get somebody, probably on a pretty reasonable deal as well, like solid money, that after two games, you've now got him out for 10 to 14 weeks. So, rough start to his career with a pre-season injury, missing those first two games and now giving a, a bit of a glimpse at what he could bring, and now he's out. So yeah, uh, moving on. South Titans Brock thirty two twelve. Obviously, the the scoreline doesn't tell the story. Let's put it that way. I think the first half South probably were much better. Uh, you know, they had run of the possession, had the run of the ball, the better of everything. I I don't think the Titans were bad though. And in particular, the second half they had a long period of time where they held them scoreless. They were much better. Even somebody, I must admit, like a Cartwright, while he's still making a couple of errors, I think he's actually having a go. Mm. Um, I still think there's some real positives there. And I think moving into this week, getting Corey Thompson on board, your semis, these kind of guys, just progressing your 4-2 acres. It wasn't a bad performance, but for South, let's be real, they needed a kill. They had some losses. I thought when they really wanted to hit the accelerator South, the Gold Coast couldn't go with them. Yeah. But, and then it sort of got to that point where South sort of went, well, we're going to win. Yeah. Gold Coast went, we're going to lose. And then the game, it just turned into a different game. Yep. Which often happens in those lopsided affairs early doors. So uh, I don't know what to make of that. I think it might be a, a little bit of fake form on South Sydney's yeah, part. I'd agree with that. And for the Gold Coast, it's just a reminder of where they're at. They're going to compete early. If, you, if you're going to upset teams, you can't let them slide away so quickly. Um, and you've, you've got to grab them by the throat straight away and compete straight away. It's no good being blown out and then competing for the last 60 because there's no way your opposition is going to play as hard. Mm. I think two things were obvious again. Number one, the Murray move back to the middle was a necessity. The quick play the balls and what he brings to the middle with footwork, tip pass, offload, quickest play the ball in the comp. Those things enable mm. everything to happen on the outsides, whether it be a bigger man or a slower man like a Tatola or a Tom Burgess. 
getting a better passage or Cook having the opportunity to jump out. But the one man who really tied everything together for me on the weekend, because it just hasn't been happening the first few weeks, is Cody Walker. Mm. Cody Walker immediately brings back that running threat and good width and just kind of sparks every other piece of the spine. He makes Cook more dangerous. He made Latrell more dangerous. He makes you accountable on your inside shoulder. He swings both sides of the field. I don't think people actually realise how much control he has over that side as compared to a Reynolds who generally is more the kicker and the organiser and planning those bits and pieces. But I think Cody's a much bigger piece in the halves than what people expect. And of course. I thought Reynolds the first He's two He's more weeks. relevant now than he's 100%. ever been. And I think, if anything, Reynolds the first two weeks was very underwhelming. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welming. He needs Cody Walker. And Latrell needs Cody Walker. And we saw his best game as a result of Cody being that threat, playing fast and digging in the line and getting good one-on-ones and opportunities to show his ball-playing skills. He easily had his best game, and I know a lot of people, again, giving context to carrying on, like, he's proven a point, and Wayne's saying, you know, it's his best game, and they're going to prove you wrong, this, that, and the other, but again, it's the opposition. I want to see that game, that whole game, against the Chooks, or I want to see that whole game against the Melbourne, not pieces of it, not patches, not one pass, not a couple of carries, like, and when we talk about quality, that's all good to go, that, that, that one pass, like, look at Tedesco last night. Yeah. There wasn't just quality, there was quantity across 80 minutes. Like to be an elite fullback or to be the best fullback in the game, it's 80 minutes of just relentless work, pushing through the middle, organising your defence, throwing those passes, sweeping around to both edges, trailing through the ruck, pushing on offloads. Just so much to it. There's some good signs there, but I'm not going to get a chubby over what he's done against the Titans in a game. That's probably the only point for a lot of people getting yeah, excited again. I'd agree with that. So I think that's a pretty fair point. Uh for the Titans, I guess, just keep persisting. Thompson, to me, is a great move from the Tigers. He's great a goer, move. wholehearted. Love him. you got Brimson injured for the time being, so you've got somebody to put in there. Strengthens the rest of your team because you can put Semi back permanently on the wing. He's good in yardage. Kelly's been better. Um, just keep plugging away. And again, if those older guys aren't training hard or pushing to get themselves back in and the kids, even if they are making mistakes or struggling to just doing a better job or caring or making an effort. That's all you want as a coach. So, No doubt. If Holbrook pushes this bus the whole rest of the year without playing a Wallace or a Boyd or any of these kind of guys, if they're not up for it, I would not be bothered as a Titans fan. No, I like where we're going. Yeah, I'm 100% with you. And I hope both for Moore's healthy soon. They got him, former under-20s player of the year from Newcastle. If he gets healthy and good to go, get him in. Get him on the field. Yep, blood him. They're talking about trying to pick up a few other players. Uh, there's nothing really solid just yet. The Tory Compson one was the real big one that was out there. They got that across the line. Tanner Boyd, same deal. He's getting little bits and pieces there. He's actually a half, not a hooker, but they're getting him some game time. I think Fogarty's doing a good job, but if they get to a point where maybe they want to get Boyd in and keep Fogarty as the 14 or something, get him more game time, whatever works. But just, yeah, keep progressing. Yeah. Storm Knights, uh, again, thought this was a pretty good game, especially the way things picked up in the second half. But I think the first half's pretty straightforward. Melbourne definitely turned up and played their best game, I thought, or their best game to date with 
sort of conditions in the rules, but Newcastle couldn't get out of their own way in the first half. Every time they got the ball, made a half break or rolled up field, which they did a few times, they just dropped it. Mm. They kept handing Melbourne possession inside good ball and they bashed away and they pummeled and they tried to find some seams and some bits and pieces and uh, eventually, if you're going to give that sort of possession opportunity, they're going to find a way. First try was a good try and a lot of people carried on again about the grounding, but I think you know the best transfer when he grounded was just as suspect on a slow-mo replay as the Jacks grounding, so... Look at that, whatever way you want. But I think they're already on the side of caution with groundings now. They're sort yeah. of, which I don't mind as long as they're consistent in their well, interpretation. I thought both had downward pressure, so yeah, I was and, fine with both. Yeah, but again, don't yeah. point the finger at one, and again, not. Mm, you know my theory behind all this. Yeah, so. I know we've had this talk a few times. Yeah, but I yeah, I thought, but but in saying that, I'm happy to put that to the side, providing yeah. that. The, these interpretations are consistent. Yeah, 100%. they're not just going to pull one out of their ass, you know, in an important game and decide to sort of be super technical with it. Yeah, I thought again proof in the pudding of how good Newcastle's defence has been. They held out Melbourne. It took a fifth play improv- improvisation there from Munster to jump that short side and them to put that kick in to kind of get first points. But the same thing just persisted again. They made errors. Uh, Papenhausen come up with a corker save at the other end of the field on Ponga off the back of a seven-tackle set. Melbourne rolled back down the other way, and Smith come up with absolute pearl, where he just decided they're jamming us, we're not getting it through the hands, and the shifts aren't good enough, we're short a number. Rips a nice long pass out to Sully. You still have plenty of work to do. <coughs> um, but they jumped out to a nice 12-point lead, and the back end of the half, they just kind of put the icing on the cake for all the extra possession and dominance they had. Newcastle handed them the ball again, a couple of repeats. Built some pressure, got a nice quick play of the ball and just had a nice double lead and it was picky poison, really. Nelson was getting a one-on-one run or Tino was getting a one-on-one run. He picked a nice long pass there and he just got on the inside shoulder of the third man there and crashed over. So 18-2 half-time. If you're a Melbourne fan or you're the Melbourne coach, you're happy that you finally took advantage of possession or plays inside 20, which has been a real problem so far. They've had, I think, more tackles than anybody inside good ball, but they're just not coming up with points. No, exactly right. They had plenty of possession in that first two games post the resumption and they just couldn't get over. Their attack was real clunky, but they were, they were much improved on the weekend, that's for sure. And um, <clears throat> Newcastle just got caught early, got caught on tilt, blown away, 18-2. The game wasn't over, nah. but it was the whole, I guess, feeling of the game and the way that Newcastle had to play changed. Um, they, I think they did a good job yeah. from, from 18 Nil they did down, they did a fantastic job. The issue is getting behind 18 nil, yeah. and that's where the game was. And they came left. after Melbourne, like you said. I they did, yeah. The one person who's really impressed me, and again, wrapped to the coach, wrapped, and the rules probably suit more, Kurt Mann. Every time Kurt Mann got the ball or just decided to run, and again, he's on a bung ankle, he basically slid through, or he, he's looked very, very dangerous under this set of rules. And I also give some credit to Ponga. I thought on the weekend they did a really, really good job on him, but in games previous where I thought, when things aren't going his way, he tends to come in and out. I thought he was pretty relentless on the weekend. He yeah. still found ways to be involved with the game and have an impact on the game. And he did similar to Munster where he come up with a fifth play run there to set up one of their tries. There was nothing doing. It was four on four. But just the threat of him jumping that short side, getting open, he got two defenders interested to jump up. And when he threw his long pass, he created a two-on-one there for best to get a layover. And Again, that's the sort of stuff that's going to justify that price tag that we talked about before getting today. Yeah, correct. Be relentless in games, even when things aren't going your way. Be there, because there's going to be a moment where it works or it hits off for you. Yep. 
He almost had the early one against Pappenhausen, which was a ripper try. He had other moments where he popped up through some passes, but at a critical time there, he just made something out of nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of people, again, after the fact, easy to attack, want to go back to the clamour moment and say that's what costs him the game. I don't think it necessarily costs him the game. Me watching I it, thought it was a shit call. It was a shit call. Um, but I, I certainly don't think it cost him the game. I'm no. not putting the whole performance down to that, though. No. Like some people did, so... I watched it today because I missed it on the weekend, and I completely agree. And more disappointing probably for me, I love Dale Finuke, and he's a tough player. Uh, Clem definitely got to him early or decided to hit him, but he shouldn't have laid down. So to be hit without the ball or whatever he was, that's not something I generally associate with Dale Finuke. So, uh, yeah, I, I didn't think that was great, but they got a late try on the back end of that from another error and a bit of possession where Brandon Smith just crashed over and that iced the game, 26-12. But I think the main point here, still so many positives for Newcastle. Um, Fitzgibbon and a few of those guys, like I said, Barnett still would have come back. He's getting more out of a lot of those guys than I expected him to. Man's playing better. Hoy looks good. He's still got that option there. Pierce, Ponga, ever improving. And if he's in the games for 80 minutes. And the other thing, I think, just defensively, I know this game, you'd say, what are you talking about? But they persisted through long periods of possession when Melbourne got four or five sets a few times and they held on. Yeah. So I still saw some really good stuff defensively that I liked. Um, they got starch. they yeah. got attitude. they got character. Best. Uh, and they have a connection with the coach. They have a connection, it seems like, to the community. Yep. So they're on the right track. But mm-hmm. again, there were times there where Nathan Brown, I, I think, probably felt like he had that as well. But it was the consistency and the longevity of it. And this goes back to that point again where don't overreact every week. Like week one, it was the Raiders, the, the bees' knees. Again, when the comp, Melbourne are dead. Newcastle knocked the Raiders off. And everyone's like, holy shit, they're a premiership contender. This is it. They're the real deal. Yeah. And after two weeks of Melbourne being terrible, they roll up into Newcastle, have a good first half and get away with a win against them. The advice I give is trust your eyes, not what you hear. Yeah. Don't, don't be one of those people that has their opinion form based on what other people say. Be smart enough to have your own opinion. And again. Be comfortable with it. We're still three weeks in. But for anyone after one week. Oh, I'm not set on nah, nah. anything. I think it's all, oh, I probably am. I, I think I'm starting to separate the teams. Yeah. I still think your Raiders, I, I, yeah, your I, Melbournes, your Roosters, like the Roosters are the one for me that you look at and just go far out. Like, yeah. Good luck. But I still think that top four or five that we spoke about, I'm, I'm, I'm still on them. Pretty keen on them, yeah. I think your same teams. You got your Raiders, your Storm, Roosters. Para. Para pushing himself definitely into that group. Like already having five wins, they're a majority of the way there. And after what I've seen from Newcastle now, I'd push him in that group as well. I'd push Penrith in there as well. Yeah. And again, they're another one. Get Cleary back, sort out the halves situation. Uh, even though Kate went down, like they're probably six teams I'd sit there there and go, I'm definitely sold on them playing finals. I think because I think the back end. Well, there's probably six teams you could say aren't playing finals as well. Yeah, and that's what I was going to say. I'd almost be happy to say Manly purely because I think there's so many bad teams outside. Yeah, the I, like, I like Manly. I, and you know, the, the change I made, um, I, I put South out. I'm not sold on South. In, and I held them And I'm eighth. happy with that now. Yeah, I'm not sold on South. Um, and I left the Cowboys out, left the Tigers out. So I'd happily say the one Cronulla, Titans, yeah, Dragons, Dragons, Bulldogs, Warriors, Dogs. I'd, I'd leave the Warriors in just for the moment, but that, those four at least, I'd say, are gone. I'd say they, I'd lock those yeah. six in that we went through. I'd, I'd wipe so the Cowboys. Straight away, you got ten. I'd wipe the Cowboys. I really and then would. I really think there's probably six there who... Yeah, Cowboys and Warriors, I'd be almost 
comfortable and chopping. Even the Tigers again, like to do, Tigers, yeah. to win that game and then go and lose. And then who are you looking at then? You're looking at Tigers, uh, not Tigers. You got the you're Broncos, South, South Broncos, and there's one other. No, that was it basically. From what we said, we had seven teams. So you're basically looking at South or the Broncos to sort themselves out and hold the top spot. Yeah. And Broncos, with the rules and everything, I put them in where I had the Cowboys to start the year. That was the and only they're pretty team. much manly. They they were pretty much fighting over one or two spots. Yeah, I think Broncos get some troops back. They can slide into the back end. Oh, they can. Yeah, but they've been absolutely cruel to start this kind of period. Unfortunately, yeah. So, uh, yeah, I think mean, still plenty of good for Newcastle. Best is only going to get better with more games. Like I said, Fitzgibbon's back this week. Barnett, and the best part is you've got guys playing hard or good depth coming in. Like, Matauti, the last few years, I've kind of been like, I don't know what he is, and I'm not soldering. But filling in during this time, I think he's been great. Yeah. Glasby, Guerra, a lot of these guys are waking up under O'Brien, and that's what you want. Because when these other guys come back in, you've just seen what your depth is. I think Brody Jones' few games have been good. Chris Randall's one game is good. Not only do they have good players in their starting side, but they've got good depth. They've got good veterans. They've got good kids. Uh, there's lots of positives. There really is. Agree. But much improved from Melbourne. Smith was really good. I think it was Tino's best game. Uh, Munster, and I think probably one of the bigger points. The back five was much better this week for me. And Suley, I must say, had an absolute <laughs> shocker in the second half. He dropped three footies, but first half he was very good. Fox was better. Uh, Branca, two games in. I think he's been good so far too. But Newcastle, Ponga, um, again, thought he just found a way into the game, even though things were against him. Man looked great. Daniel Safidi um, was a bit blown away that he got picked for Origin last year, but if he keeps playing this way right here, it's potential for him and Clement to be picked as a pair again or mm-hmm. part of that mix, the way they're going. They were great. No argument. Lots of good signs for the Newcastle Knights. Be happy if you're a Knights fan. Raiders Tigers, I think the best way I can sum this one up is it's not the best win, but Canberra don't win this game two years ago. No. So, they, it's a game they needed to win, should yep. win, and they won. They did. They didn't cough it up. And again, this this Tigers sort of tough. yeah, this sort of performance two years ago is can we get a good win the week before? Get a game like this, you think they're going to win, and they just roll over yeah. and they break. Whereas in this game, I thought the Tigers were relentless. All the chopping and changing, the Reynolds energy boost, the players that were back in, they came keen, they came aggressive, they stuck it to them. They were relentless on their line. Canberra had some issues with their attack or couldn't quite get things to click, even with extra possession and opportunities down that end of the field. Charge dropped to sitter. Jack threw one over the sideline when he was basically blind in one eye. There was a few things that were just ugly, but yeah. these are the games that when you're under a bit of adversity or things aren't going great or you're in their situation where three weeks in a row they've had to bust it up and get back on a bus and the circumstances aren't exactly ideal, just win. They did. I don't know what else I could really say. Get the job done. They got the job done. Papali was good. Uh, again, Jack. Had a, a good moment there when he just runs and plays direct, come up with a good try. Chance had a couple of errors, but he was super busy. Um, yeah, I think it was a real tradesman-like performance. And, and Williams, again, saw some good things in the kicking game and, and some bits and pieces across the park for the Tigers. I thought Dewey had a cracker. Uh, really, really busy. Reynolds definitely made a point of difference. He brought that energy. He was infectious as he is. After such a, a rough patch, I guess it's good to see someone like that have a good game or have an influence and... I guess the point during the week was Benji missed a lot of tackles, but how could you take him out after he was man of the match in the first two games? Maguire was looking for a response or a response across the team. I think he yeah, got it. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see whether if the Titans didn't score that late try, Marshall kicks a field goal yeah, from Marshall probably stays in. Yeah, there you go. 
but they're sitting there going, he's got the most missed tackles, the most try causes. I, I'd need to watch some video, but I think Leilua and his brother are too much better off in helping that situation. I'm not saying Benji's a great defender. That whole edge is fucking suspect, let's be honest. Yeah. So I thought the call last week was harsh, but I will admit that Reynolds definitely brings what we thought he used to bring to the dogs, which is just infectious energy across the park. Yeah. Tell you who didn't endear themselves to the coach, and all the word was when he got there, they had beef with each other because he wasn't his player, was Russell Packer. Mm. He gave him an opportunity to play finally on the weekend, and I was going to say, if you're a Tigers fan, I think you can blame Russell Packer for your loss. You were in that contest. He gets put in the bin. Williams picks that nice kick not long after in behind. It's perfectly weighted, and they get to score that try. And at the back end of the game, when they're only down by six, he basically knocks Depine's face off, uh, gets himself suspended now for two weeks, I think, because they took the early guilty play, and that gave him the penalty goal to take it two scores. Yeah. So... If there was already a problem when Maguire got there saying, I don't want this bloke and I'm trying to get rid of him or medically retire him or do whatever they did with Madalino, similar story. Russell Packer certainly didn't help that with his game on the weekend. No, he didn't. So, not great, that's for sure. Uh, Dragons, Sharks, 30-16. I thought again... Ugly they, game. I thought again they had a good start to the game where they rolled and they had their opportunity. When that no try come through and Lomax ran in, I go, it's happening again. Yeah. That's going to deflate them, but to their credit, they hung in. They got a response. Dufty looked very dangerous. Ravalawa come up with that good finish. It was back and forth again in that first half, uh, but they got themselves in at halftime with the lead there. And in particular, when Benny Hunt went on at dummy half and scored that one right on halftime, I was thinking, I got the feeling now they're going to win this game because just the reaction of Frizzell and all those guys when he crashed over at halftime... There was genuine joy. There was a spark. There was enthusiasm within that whole group. And you kind of thought, all right, let's see it then. Yeah. Uh, and thank God for their fans and for them in general. They went on with it in the second half. Hunt went on, looked free, free of the burden of controlling and organising. He probed without a dummy half. I actually think he kicks better at a dummy half than he does in general play. His kicking game was outstanding. For some reason. And he did this with Origin. We talked about this other year in game one where they brought him on that first game, I think when Freddie was in charge. He almost stole it back with a 40-20 in a few moments. When he's at seven, for some reason, his mind is just clouded. His kicks are pre-planned or poor. It's the same thing. He just looks lost with the football. For some reason, when he goes to nine, that all goes out the window. Yeah. His kicking game's outstanding. He probes a bit better. Even his subtlety and a bit of ball playing at a dummy half increased. McInnes is just a tough bastard and clearly a good teammate. Play anywhere in the middle. He just jumped in. He defends like a bastard. He actually was more effective than I expected to be with his carries, and it was proven when he scored that nice try, but... Uh, I thought the tempo, again, set early. Uh, I thought it was Frizzell and, and Vaughan's best game. They needed more out of those guys as well, particularly when your origin players, they need to play better. Thought they were better. Kerr starting with Vaughan, I think, has been better than, say, Graham, who to me has just got no legs left now. And even Merrin wasn't been impressed with his first few games, but his first stint, just a bit of a point of difference. Clune looked much more comfortable this week with the way things were. Yeah, yeah, you just got to... I guess let him um, let him develop, give yeah. him time in grade, let him have his uh, you know his tough periods. I tell you what, he took a massive shot. Yeah. I think it was from uh, Mc- Britton Cora. Just flattened him early, got up, didn't bitch or moan, uh, got on with the Man, job. He so. dug into the line too. He dug in well. And this is the thing. That I, was I think some real they, good they passes. Really need there. that. And he's doing the things that Benny Hunt wouldn't do. So. For now, I think they've kind of sorted out what they're going to do with that spine. Norman and Clune, give McInnes the first 20 to 25 to take a bit of sting off, then get Hunt out there to play the rest of your game. 
McInnes also moving to lock saves your rotation because you've got a middle there or a guy that you're not going to have to worry about. So unless one of them gets injured, yeah, uh, you're in a good situation there that you've got one less rotation. So that gives you an extra one if you want to roll Vaughan one more time or give Frizz a quick spell or if you're not happy with Kerr's minutes and you want to get him more of a rest, get Laurie on, etc. But I guess the other one was Dufty. Yeah. Dufty's been in and out. Different fullbacks. There's been plenty of talk about that. Funny thing this week, they apparently said that part of the conditions of that meeting the other day is that all the coaches now have a vote. And they're all saying that the only reason he wasn't playing is because of McGregor, but Young, Shepard, Flanagan all wanted Dufty back in. So a lot of those changes come off the back of them. So how much of that's true, I don't know, but apparently it's now a voting system and they wanted him straight back in. So he sent a good message this week, but again, he needs to be better week to week all around. Yeah. Definitely. And for some of those young guys that we're talking about earlier. They all know every player on that field in that game at the moment probably isn't at their best. No. And that's why their teams are where they are. You can you can shine the micro, uh, microscope elsewhere and look at coaches and the dramas off the field, but in the end, the players are going to play better. Yeah, 100%. And for some of the fans, and I've heard some of the carrying on the radio, and Wendell Saylor down played things on the weekend and that he's young bloke, but like, you're not helping, eh? No, they're not helping. No offense. They're making it about them. His son's a good player, but he's not a world beater. But he's played wing, 5'8", centre, fullback. Like, I don't even know what his position is. He's a good, I think he's an NRL, NRL player. I think he's a squad player. I don't think he's their best option at fullback. I love Jason Saab, but you've come off a shoulder reconstruction. You're 19 years old. You played at the back end. You've had no preseason, and you're complaining about not playing. Yeah. Like, yeah, they're not winning their games, but I don't think Pereira's been bad. Pereira's no. busy and does his job every week, so that's why they're not getting in over the top of him. Uh, Ravalawa's got an error in him but then on the flip side of that I'd say who's probably got your best yardage carry Ravalawa knocks blokes out yeah. I don't want three errors each week but you're not going to give up your best yardage carry so you're in between a rock and a hard place but you don't take shit from a 19 year old who's had a shoulder reconstruction complaining that he wants a game and then when someone else who plays three or four positions and it is, it is a solid player in Tristan Saylor again if they want to release I would let him go it's just one of those things. Young players want it all early, it want it all straight away. away. Exactly. And I think what's not helping McGregor is the performance of some of his senior players. Because mm. if they were playing well and winning games, even if they were playing well and losing games, that pressure wouldn't be there. Exactly. So it, this is just extra pressure placed on by the players to the coach and the coaching staff. So uh, they, they need to win this week. If they can string two in a row... It's going to ease some of that pressure. Quieten things down a bit. Yeah, and it'll support the selections that he's making. And it'll just it'll ease the burden for everyone mm. within that NRL squad. Uh, James Hooper, I don't know. He keeps pushing Jason Saab. Every time I hear James mm. Hooper talk, he's young gun Jason Saab. I've, I sort of think I've he's just played said, two or three games he, he in grade. He can't off shoulder anchor. You he's haven't a, done a preseason. Like he's okay, but he's certainly not a world beater. No, but he's going to be good. But the thing is... But is he? Do we know yeah, that? No, but, they're, but they're keeping him from himself. Like, it's all good to carry on and want to say, I want to play. Mate, you didn't do a preseason. You had but a shoulder recap. Earn your spot. Yeah, but you get a shoulder if, if, Even if you think the coach is wrong in his, uh, you know, not selecting you, yeah. don't bitch and moan and ask for a release. No, nah, that's my point. We're five weeks into a, into a comp. From a character assessment from a club, I don't want someone who gets a couple of games at the back end of Bitch and moan and want to go somewhere else. Look at Ryan Hall at the Roosters. How many games has he played? Mate, you're talking about possibly one of the best international wingers from England's ever had. He's a machine. And I you know he's a lot older, but he could have left a lot earlier. Joe Burgess, remember, came out here. Yeah. Couldn't play that well or couldn't get a run. He quit straight away. He went to South for a crack and then he went back overseas. Like, Ryan Hall's just sucked it up. He's only getting a game here or there. 
But and I, to be fair, when he's played, he's played phenomenal. Oh, he's been awesome, but it speaks to what we're talking about. You want a proven point. Team man. Train hard, hang out, wait for your chances. But you're not 30. You're not old. You're not running out of opportunities. You're 19. They blooded you early last year when they didn't want to. They gave you a taste. You've come off a shoulder. It probably recap. says a lot about, look at how many young players the Roosters have got. He, I think there's a lot to be said for maturity of players. Mm. Players that are past that point of selfishness and past that me mentality, or even just if you can identify those traits in players, not having them at your club, like you said. Uh, because the Roosters just, they're, they're, not, they're not young, they're pretty mature. Long term. And they're though, all about yeah. themselves. The story, there was a story I heard on the weekend about uh, Cole Flanagan copped some shit uh, in that first game or second game. And it might have been Phil Rothfield was talking about it on one of the panel shows last night. And apparently someone had bagged Flanagan out and they all these text messages came through to Cole Flanagan from all, from all his teammates, those senior guys. I think it's hugely underrated. Yeah, like you look at Melbourne, you look at Canberra, you look at the Roosters, Parramatta even now are moving into, Penrith are moving into mm. a period where they've had a lot of young players that are now senior established first graders and I guess the confidence and the maturity that comes with that translates into games. I don't care what anyone says. And I think you're... Certainly, it's of, of huge benefit to have a majority of a senior playing group. Look at Brisbane. They're, I don't think they're crying out for an old player or a leader. They're crying out for experience. They, they, they don't have anyone there that's had this experience before. The only way to get it is to actually get yeah, out there and through. do it. But it's always going to make it a little bit easier if you've got guys out there who have been through it before. Mm. No doubt in the world. And But I think like just the other thing as well, like for Dragons players carrying on about these guys, yeah, like I'm right... You're happy for your young guys to just melt, complain, and get more shit out into the media during a hard time and a hard period, and they're not helping the situation. They're making it about you. They're putting more gas on the fire for the coach, your club, your group, and they're not helping the situation. Yeah, and I'm more going yeah. back. I've seen Sub. Sub's a gun. I think he's going to be a good footballer. <coughs> but you're off a shoulder, okay? Maybe they're keeping you from yourself at this point in time. Yeah. As well. I'm not, so, maybe I'm this not saying good, he's going to no, be a bad player. Maybe this isn't the time to be played. To call him a superstar, future superstar. Yeah, how many Australian schoolboys have flopped or fell out? We've seen that's my point. Them, so. That's my point. You've been blooded. I'm early. not sure he has earned that reputation no, yet. he hasn't. He played he okay last year and he wasn't great. That They blooded him early. He had a surgery. He's had no pre-season. Shut your mouth. Yeah. And like Tristan, they're going, oh, well, if he re-signs him, he'll stay. I'm going to say, well, no offence to Wendell. I don't think he's going to be... Desperately missed if they do let him go. I think someone will pick him up. Yeah. We're not talking. I'm, I'm not looking at him saying he's a guaranteed starter across most 17s in the NRL. He's definitely an NRL player. I'm not starting to beef there, but I think he's a squad player. Yeah. I don't think he's a bona fide starter. So I just thought, on top of everything that's going on, and then you got guys using it as a platform, whether it's them or their manager, shit go. Like just train, chip away, wait for your opportunity. When you get it, play well. And if you play well, you, you're in. You hold your spot. Simple, yeah. But, yeah. Good win. Uh, positive signs. Again, all this means nothing though if they don't back up this weekend. And that's, like I said, no knock on your mob, but if they're legit, they need to get a job done this weekend again. On the Sharks, we talked about earlier, more pressure on poor Bomber Morris. Fafita just looked like a shadow of himself. That knee's definitely not good. Um, that's not the Fafita we've come to know and love, the movement. Getting across field, shifting, footwork, the speed. Um, there's definitely a problem there. Just very one-paced. Lots of issues, very error-prone. 
and just a couple of those guys again. Moylan can't get on the field. Dugan was done. Now he's on the field. Johnson's still not taking control of games. And they've got a lot of young guys across the board that I think are good players, but they're not really being helped by some of those bigger names we're talking about. Correct. You've got good spots in your Nakoros, your ULEs, your Jack Williams, these kind of guys, but I think a lot of responsibility right now is on Wade Graham to try and carry this group. And he's not getting enough help from a Johnson, a Moylan, a Dugan, and these other key spots. And you know what you're going to get out of your Chad. Uh, he's just, you know, you sold seven out of the week, kick control to the rest of it, but then even a Blake Praley. Yeah. Like, that forward pack's not really going forward or doing a great <laughs> job at the moment, and he's trying to orchestrate everything for 80 minutes out of dummy half. He's a 20-year-old kid. Yeah. So, yeah, not a, not a great situation for the Sharks, but poor Morris. I think there's going to be a lot more stuff the next few weeks. Roosters, Dogs, 42-6. It was, it was a training run. I don't know what else I could say that I didn't say last week. Uh, the start of the game was the summary of everything. A repeat set, a penalty, a try straight away. They've clearly spotted that White Lewis is a good defender. He's got a tendency to bite and panic and jump in. They got him to jump in straight away on the half. Instantly, the reload from Luke Keery to create an extra number. Tedesco created doubt. Short ball to Crichton. We can go into technicalities and bits and pieces all day, but I think the scarier part is they've been dangerous every year so far on both edges, but I actually think they're more dangerous this year on the right than what they were last year. Cronk, why he was awesome on the whole for the group, I don't think it much came down that side. When it did, it was when a Tedesco decided to go there and kind of link up with Manu. But I think this year in Flanagan, they've got more balance, but they've also got Vradlin under these new rules, who's a proper link player. They're loading both sides. You've got Crichton, who also flourishes under these rules. So, I think they're more dangerous left and right than they possibly could ever be. And even Akiri, the evolution of Kiri within such a short period of time to take on this leadership role, he's playing both sides of the field as well. And they're doing all this, as I said, and you couldn't be in a better situation for Kyle Flanagan until he builds himself up a bit and settles in and gets on board. And we're seeing bits and pieces. That kick that he had last night on a string on play four, just a quick heads up knock through. He's running, he's pushed through, he's supporting. His goal kicking that was off for a bit shaky last year starting to straighten itself up. Obviously, he's getting plenty of practice as well, but there's not many things not to like. And the other positive, and I mentioned this last year, they didn't need to play Jared. They got caught in a rest again in game, and they're getting more minutes to those other guys in their squad, which just makes and them making better them team. better. That's right. Collins is better, and now he's a and contributor. And this is the point behind you know, the Brisbane conversation. They're, they're able to ease their players in and give them experience, whereas Brisbane is just, bang, get in there. Hmm. <clears throat> that's the difference and uh, yeah Colin's got more minutes he was great again everyone Here's knows another one two or three years ago no one would have would have gone out and wanted to buy Lyndon no Collins. well that, they had him there and just slowly built him that's up that's right they've done what Melbourne have done with say a Tui Kamika Mika or a couple of these guys where it's a project yeah. for a few years and yeah. they, they're happy to stay there and learn and uh, I love Nat Butcher I still think he's great Satili come on first touch great footwork cut him behind the ruck you know, they dropped Verrills out because it wasn't worth giving him the minutes and he's had minutes the last few weeks. They'll keep doing that during the year. Also, They'll target games because they're too smart. They'll roll those guys in. They'll come up with tactics to get minutes for those guys and even like a Ryan Hall. Brett Morris has been outstanding for him, but he's still got a bad knee or a bold knee himself. There'll be a game or two along the way where him or a Tupo or a Josh will probably have a week off. Yeah. And they'll roll a Ryan Hall in and he'll do what he did against Brisbane the other week where he run for 200 plus and he'll get his knocks and get his game time. Yeah. I'm sure there'll be a game where they probably give Verrills the reins completely as well and just say, friendy, you know, you're working your ass off this week, you're not playing. They're just in that situation. 
Yep. They were dominant without Teddy. And again, going back to that situation where after one game against the Bulldogs, everyone the other week, like, oh, Turbo's definitely better than Tedesco. Or, it's not the opposition to be judging it off. But did you see what Tedesco did last night? Yeah. Like, dear Lord. The blokes yeah. are free. Exactly. They're red hot. Uh, dogs. Yeah. Poor Dean Pay. Back to square one. Uh, never questioned the effort, though. That's for sure. They tried, but they just don't have the troops. Absolutely not. Said that I liked Avarillo. He showed some great touches last night. A couple of those line breaks and that. To me, get him on the ball. Center's not the spot. I said it again. I'll say it again. Six. He comes through juniors playing halves. He's with foreign. Maybe not against better oppositions because it's not going to be the greatest situation, but in a game where they come up against your mob, no offense, or you know the Sharks, the way they're going right now, or a Dragons or someone in the next couple of weeks, put him in a position in a game where they're probably going to be evenly matched somewhat across the park or going to be in the contest, get him into the halves where he plays. Because yeah. if you oh, can do that from center with no momentum and no go forward, get his running game actually playing in the halves on the ball, being a dominant figure in that side. Luke Thompson's going to make a difference as well. But obviously, you've got to get him out of isolation. So, there you go. Reviews of the games from the weekend done. Just some signing news before we jump in and do our tips, Brock, and have a look at some of the odds and bits and pieces. Corey Thompson, like I said, there's been a fair bit of movement this week. He's gone to your mob for two years, so he's there for 2022 now. Yeah, I love it. Wing, fullback, doesn't matter. He plugs and plays in both positions. When Brimson comes back, they can figure out that whole puzzle. But Semi, Thompson, Brimson... Uh, that's that's a good signing good club man two for the Sharks I've always admired uh, from afar <clears throat> Corey Thompson so yeah really happy with that signing yeah it is a good signing and he's done it the hard way too East Tigers to Melbourne did a pre-season Melbourne wanted to keep him but the Bulldogs offered him more game time had a couple of his dogs overseas back to the Tigers he's uh, he's really plotted his straight the hard way yeah Sharkies, uh, as we said, injury news is one thing, but Bakuya retired. Uh, he's had persistent injuries during the week. That opened up a squad spot. They've made two signings. They brought Nano McDonald back after his injury and indiscretions at North Queensland. He quit the game, so they've thrown him a lifeline. Probably not a bad move, to be honest, given their stocks at the moment. Can play. Uh, and then they got Bryson Goodman from South, who just come back for a bit of depth again. So probably well needed, considering their backline injuries. Dugan's a ticking time bomb. Moylan, we've seen, is made out of paper mache. Mooley Tarlow's just had surgery, so they've bolstered their backline depth. Uh, Luke to the Broncos, everyone knows about. That's self-explanatory. They only let McCulloch go on the back of having Pakes, Turpin, the injury hit. Had to get somebody in. He's not playing there. You talk about experience or a veteran or someone again, probably not a really a bad signing you bring into that group, in all honesty, along with a Ben Tia. Yeah. Both at Souths together, so they can probably link up and take a bit more control of this group, whether his minutes are limited or what his role is there. That's two good veteran guys to have around that group. Spot on. Thompson of the Dogs, we just mentioned. Uh, St. Helen's not happy at all. Aren't they? Because apparently they voided the contract somehow with everyone who took a pay cut or something like this. He refused to do so. And it's kind of worked out that he found his own way to get out of it earlier and come down here. So apparently St. Helen's aren't too happy about that. Um, but in some good news for them, they've got Joel Thompson from Manly heading over there next year. He's a quality bloke and a quality footballer. Wow. So he's moving on to England next year. But Thompson, uh, this year wasn't part of his deal, but it will be now. He is signed until 2023. Ponga, we mentioned before, brand new deal, four years, $4.5 million. So big bickies, but if he keeps playing the sort of football he is now, he's definitely going to be worth it. And to finish off, two re-signings, Brian Toto. Signed for three more years at the Penny Panthers. Good business, good player. 
Yeah. Don't let him get on the market because I'm sure plenty were keen. And your Gold Coast Titans also extended Sam Lasano by 12 more months. So it brought him over. Not wanted at the Warriors. Uh, playing some okay football so far. Still young. Yeah. Development. But yeah, they have him for this year. And I think he had a year already from next year, but they've added on 2022. So he's got two more seasons for the Gold Coast Titans. Right. Tips. Last week, uh, identical. We both had five but not, this week. <clears throat> not a bad result. Tips brought to you by this week until the, the power rankings come back. The Penrith Solar Centre. We'll make the tips presented by Penrith Solar Centre. There is no one better in the business if you want to get solar. Help yourself, help your back pocket, help your family. Great investment. Worked out good for you. Worked out good for the old man. Uh, summertime, our bills were absolute cracker. And even right now, we've got everything set during the day. Put the timer on the washing machine. Timer on the dishwasher, get some of that stuff done during the day. The bill's been low. Yep. Great investment, pays itself back. But if you want to know what's worse than seeing your team cop the wooden spoon this season, it's getting slapped with a rising power bill that puts you on edge more than an origin decider. I'd actually I'd actually say that the wooden spoon's worse. Oh, yeah. I've had agree. a few in my You've life. Penner of Solar Centre, a Western Sydney solar specialist who are helping local families take control over their electricity bills. Let the sun work for you your home and your back pocket, contact them today, Penrith Solar Centre on 1800 20 to discuss how you can become a real winner this season, www.penrithsolar.com.au. Uh, I put a vote up the other week for uh, the local business awards. If anyone didn't get on board with that, I'll post that again this week. Help Penrith Solar Centre out. They won that last year. They're outstanding and particularly had a lot of customers come through the show. And I've said it again before, even people that were outside of state or outside of their scope of business who, you know, they couldn't have a system for or that, they linked them to other businesses who are reliable from other areas. So they're willing to help regardless. Joking yep. the crew there. Get in contact with them, they'll help you out. There you go. First game of round six, Newcastle and the Broncos. The Broncos, they're loving the Thursday night games, aren't they? Not wrong. Dear Lord, someone else, please. Uh, on the Newcastle side of things, Lachlan Fitzgibbon has returned in the back row. Guerra goes back to the bench. Brody Jones is out. Man is still in the side despite that ankle, but he played 80 minutes last week. They've got Hoy on the bench, so worst case, if anything happens there, they can wheel him out onto the field. On the Broncos side of things, a reshuffle again. Katoni Staggs is out of the side. Arthur's was going to come in. He's out of the side. So Corey Oates has gone back to the wing. Herbie Farnworth's gone to the centres. Alex Glenn and Tavita Pengai are both back into the back row. Off and Gowie goes to the bench. And Reese Kenny's out of the 17. Yeah, Newcastle. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, the Stags injury worries me. I think they'll carve their edges to pieces. But I do like I do like the return of Glenn um, and Tavita Pengai, but yeah, I'll, I'll tip Newcastle. I've been keen on Newcastle, but I'll be interested just to see whether last week rattled them a little bit and whether they start this game slowly. Well, I really like Herbie, but he's on best Lee, Ponga, Pitt, like that edge this week. There's going to be plenty of traffic coming Oates that back way. to the wing, yeah. So, yeah. Well, I, I, Brisbane, Brisbane are going to win eventually. I just, I'm just not sure I'm going to tip them when they do win. So I'll stick with Newcastle. Yeah, yeah. I'm definitely going to stick with Newcastle. I'll bounce back and bounce back the right way. This week, and the bookies agree, a dollar forty-five for the Knights, two ninety for the Broncos, minus six and a half is the line on that game. The first Friday night game, the early one, is the Bunnies up against the Warriors. And I tell you what, this is a danger game for the Bunnies. We're talking about hovering that middle ground. If the Warriors from last week and the week 
prior to that turn up from rounds one and three in the resumption. And South are a little bit down, in particular their middle battle where they struggle. Uh, they're not going to get this one easily. Yeah. But it's very important. I think they get points early. But on their side of things, they've unchanged from last week. The extended bench, well, James Roberts is still there. Do they bring him back in? Yet to be seen. And the Warriors are also unchanged. I'm going to tip South because plain and simple, they can't fall any further behind. They want to stay in touch. Yeah, so. Yeah. But I, I think the Warriors could definitely cause some problems if South aren't I think, oh, No, I think they'll struggle, the Warriors, with South because they're going to play a lot more direct than what the Cowboys did last week outside of Tamalolo. So, yeah, South Sydney. Yeah. Well, bookies agree. Dollar forty-five, two ninety for the Warriors. Minus six and a half is the line in this game. Panther Storm, crack of Friday night game. Uh, you've got full strength basically on both sides, except for the Panthers. Obviously, they lost Capewell last week, but Liam Martin did a great job, and he's in the back row to replace him. And Dylan Edwards, who they've basically been saying the whole time, is their best option at fullback. He's finally back in the side. So Caleb Aikens is out of the team. Billy Burns has come onto the bench to replace uh, the spot that Martin is now uh, leaving with Capewell being out of the side for the Storm. Full strength, Brandon Smith has gone back to the bench. Welch is going into the starting side, which worked well on the weekend. And uh, you've got Tino, Nelson, Brandon. It's a good bench. I think this is a real statement game for Penrith. I think they have to bounce back here and win. I've gone the storm, but not with a whole lot of confidence. I that, think that'd be there. Penrith have got $2.80. On yeah, the Panthers? I'd be jumping on that, yeah. Tipping them? Tipping Penrith, yeah. Yep. Would not surprise me at all. I'm just hoping that my team can back up two weeks in a row. Because mm. if not... I'm just backing that that game, the Parra-Penrith game, um, oh, I think that was just as good as a game as I've seen. So I'm just backing that Penrith are better than Melbourne based on what I've seen from both teams at the moment. Yep. But again, Melbourne are... And, and especially, we spoke about to start the show, the criticism they've copped. Mm. You know how they react to criticism. So, yep. uh, yeah... Well, the main reason I'm doing this, I don't know if it was just overall record or at what ground. I'm pretty sure they've beaten them like the last 7, 8, 18 times in a row. Well, Melbourne are going to travel up for this one. So, so yeah, that's good different thing. circumstances. Good thing for Penrith. I'll stick with the Storm. But the odds, $1.47 are Melbourne. 280 for the Panthers. Good value, like you said, if you're interested in that one. Uh, line, minus 5.5. Well, who would you tip if Melbourne were playing Parramatta at the moment? Uh, from what I've seen... Yeah. Probably power up. Well, Penrith beat power up for 65 minutes. I, That's well, I also tipped Newcastle last week and Melbourne beat Newcastle. So mm. I think so far I've liked more of what I've seen from Newcastle probably than or on par with power Penrith, I think. Mm. So I'll just stick with Melbourne. But completely understand where you're coming from. First Saturday game. What a cracker. Titans-Dragons. Woo! Uh, cool. This one yeah. here. Corey Thompson straight into fullback for your side. Good move. Good. Uh, straight in there. Semi goes back to the wing. Brian Kelly to the centres. Dale Copley injured his ankle on the weekend. He's out for the Dragons. James Graham is into the starting side. Trent Merrin back to the bench. I don't agree with that. I hope they change it before kickoff. Would not surprise me. Otherwise, same sides. I'm going the Dragons because they need to win more than your mob does. And after that, they've got the Roosters, the Raiders, and the Eels. So I potentially don't think they're going to win a game for three weeks after that. But I have zero confidence. I'm going to tip the Titans. Good. It's a very winnable. Very winnable game for the Titans. The bookies agree. 
not too far apart. Dollar sixty for the Dragons, two forty-five for the Titans. Minus three and a half is the line in this game. So a bit of value there again, Boxhead. Yep. If you're interested in that one, Tigers uh, Cowboys. I shan't be betting on that. No, shan't be betting. Five thirty, <laughs> Tigers Cowboys. Another one of these games for the Cowboys, where hopefully we see something, but it looks like some changes through injury. But for the Tigers, Leilua, he's battling an ankle injury. They don't know if he's going to be able to play, but they've named him to play. Robert Jennings, <laughs> he's coming on the wing for Tommy Talao, who was pretty good last week, but he's got a hamstring injury. Luke Garner replaces Chris Lawrence in the second row. Matt Eisenhoof and Sam McIntyre gets his debut. Good player. Replace Alex Safarf and Russell Packer was suspended on the bench. Benji Marshall is on an extended bench. Uh, I don't know if they'll find a spot for him. Look at the way that bench is made up. Mind you, Billy Walters isn't in the bench and they've got no utility. So you're saying Harry Grant's playing full 80 there. I, again, I don't know if they'll make a late change, but I doubt it. Um, Cowboys. Heavy changes. Valentine Holmes out with his ankle. Jordan McLean with that calf injury. He's missing. Tom Gilbert got suspended for a crusher. So Hamiso Tabawai Fada, halfway through his debut, went to fullback this week. He's playing fullback. And they've got a debutant on the wing. Connolly Lamila, who played New South Wales Cup for the Bulldogs last year, played some fullback and wing. He's a bit of a goer, so he's getting an opportunity there. Francis Molo starts at prop. Benny Hampton, Corey Jensen, Peter Holler all called in on the bench. Ruben Cotter out of the side this week. I'm going to go with the Tigers. Tigers. <clears throat> Tigers. Cowboys, too inconsistent, too many changes. I know the Tigers are chopping changing every week, but I'm at least seeing a bit of effort. I think Tigers minus one and a half is my bet of the week. There you go. And the odds there are $1.80. For the Tigers, two ten for the Cowboys, minus one and a half is the line as Box had just mentioned there. And Saturday night, seven thirty. <coughs> what an absolute cracker. You've got the Roosters up against Parramatta. Rhea Hargroves is back into the side. So Collins goes back to the bench. Verrills comes in to replace Orbison. Pretty much uh the full strength one to seventeen for the Parramatta Eels. Kane Evans is suspended, so he's out. Oregon Kafusi comes in to replace him. Otherwise they as per program. This is the real test, and I know they appealed for the short turnaround uh, to delay the game by a day, but I'm still tipping the Roosters. Roosters. This is going to be a cracker game. Hopefully, uh, they both turn up, and it's as good a game to watch as that Penrith game. And the bookies, they've got the Roosters, $1.45 favorite, two ninety for Parramatta, minus 5.5 is the line on that one. Sunday, the 4 o'clock game, a corker again, Raiders Manly. For the Raiders, Corey Horsberg's back. Dunamis Louis drops out of the 17. And Hudson Young returns after that lengthy suspension for eye gouging and replaces Bailey Simonson on the bench. For Manly, Tapau, that thumb, he's going to be out along with Moses Sula. He also had a finger injury. So Brendan Elliott goes to the centers. Fanua Blake starts a prop. Sirenen returns from injury. And Corey Riddell uh, is out. And Morgan Boyle joins the bench. Uh, it's a fourth week in a row. They're travelling up, but I'm going to go the Raiders. Raiders. I'll just look at that manly bench with that reshuffle. Paseca makes a dent, but you can catch him out in the middle. He doesn't play big minutes. And then you've got Croker to play limited minutes at nine. Kepi, Boyle, Gazuski to play in your middles. Uh, I think Canberra with Papali, Soliola to Pine Whitehead, Horsberg back in. Getting good stuff out of Gula. Sutton had a red-hot crack last week, and I... Said it before Hudson got suspended afterwards. He's going to be a good footballer. He is a good player. Whether he plays tight edge, he's one of those guys you can kind of move between both. But um, yeah. with him and Gula on the bench, and Havili 
who can basically play that middle role as well as the nine role. He's a good player. He's a good player for the team. Um, yeah, they're a good side. Manly, a few injuries, but no doubt. I'm sure they'll give him trouble. And in the last few years, they've kind of had the wood on Canberra. They seem to frustrate Canberra and drag a bit of... Uh, in Melbourne, I think, when they played each other. Yeah, they, they drag a bit out of them. But the odds for that one, sixty for the Raiders, two forty five for Manly, minus 4.5 is the line. And the last game of the round... Two teams, again, looking for a win. Help their coaches. The Dogs versus the Sharks. For the Sharkies, Bryson Goodwin and Nana McDonald, like we said, joined this week. But Goodwin is the only one included. He's on an extended bench. Jack Williams returns to start at Lock. Rudolph goes back to the bench to see for Talakai and Royce Hunt come in. Royce Hunt for his first game for the Sharks after moving from Canberra, Talakai. Uh, he was at South, played some cover Panthers, played that game last week. He was a junior gun centre winger. Mm. Now he's playing as like a middle or a back row. Uh, on the Bulldog side of things, Tolman's unavailable amidst his quarantine period. Remus Smith is back. He replaces Nick Manny. Avarillo moves to the wing. Runoff Tormaga starts at prop. Suasso Su goes to the bench and Holland replaces Morgan Harper on the bench. Uh, it's a terrible game. I'm going to stick with the Sharks, Ugh. but, man. I'm going to take the dogs. I don't, I don't think, like, honestly, Christian Crichton or Nick Maney, I'm taking Nick Maney. Avarillo's the dogs beat pushed the Dragons. Out the, the Dragons beat the Sharks. I'm going to go the dogs. I, it, it's a stinker of a game. I, look, on paper, if I had to gun to the head, I'd pick Cronulla. But based on what I've seen, I'll, I'll tip the dogs. I thought the dogs after their little period where they got they got blown out in two periods against the Roosters. Yeah, they were tough. But they were tough for the majority of the rest of the game. So, I, I don't know. I flip a coin, but I'll, I'll go the dogs. I'm just... Yeah, I'm a little bit confused. Right, Avarillo for me. Confused because they're both bad at football. A lot of people love Lachlan Lewis. So I'm not a huge fan. I'd rather Avarillo in there with foreign steering the ship. Uh, I don't think Nick Manny's that bad a player. I, I'd rather him than Christian Crichton. Me too. I like many. Is many been dropped? Yep. Wow. Tor Margo starting with Napa because Tolman's out. Like he doesn't have huge minutes in him. Then your bench, you've got a utility centre winger in Carrot Holland. You've got Dean Britt, Suaso Sue, and Offahiki Ogden. Like there's not huge minutes on your bench either. The Sharks, I think, I'm, I've, when you're reading it that way, but if there's one thing you do know, the dogs are always just making a shit fight. So um, if the Sharks are anything like they were last week, they're in, they're in Barney Rubble. But. Yeah, I'll stick with the Sharks. But that's a flip of the coin. I agree with you there. Bookies, they see it as the Sharkies, a dollar fifty-eight favorite, two fifty for the dogs, minus five and a half is the line. Mm. So, is there any bets you like in particular, Brock? Yeah, reckon? I like Tigers minus one and a half. Uh, what are some others? Sharks five point favorites, mm. or is that six point favorites? Five and a half for the five Sharks. And a half. Yeah, yuck. I reckon I'd probably take Panthers with a start. Maybe. I'd take six and a half. I'd take the dog six and a half. I wouldn't be taking five and a half. No. Nah. Uh, yeah. No. Otherwise, no. I don't. I don't. I don't really like. I mean, even what's the Brisbane game? Six and a half. Well, I think I'm more the try scorer kind of person. For me, there's a blatantly obvious one in that one. With the way their edges have been defending, if Callum Ponga doesn't have, win or score a try, well, I think I'm two from two with my picks this year. If I'm taking I a, said back Newcastle to beat Canberra, and last week I said back Penrith with the start, which was six and a half. They just fell in Penrith. Well, try a win combo. Newcastle to win in Neponga because I just think their edges just crumble. And the other one who's got a good matchup, I think Herbie Farnworth's a goer, but if he's on the edge, I think he's going to be on. Bradman Best is just a bully. Well, so, Penrith head Penrith head to head two eighty. 
And then Tigers minus one and a half. And if you're feeling really kinky, multi them up. Ugh. Oof. Yeah, mine's in that Newcastle game. Try win combos. I think they win. Best and Ponga, though, sweeping down that left-hand side. I think they're going to cause plenty of drama. Uh, their edges have just absolutely folded like origami. Last week, they were a bit more resilient, but a reshuffle again, I think it's going to be very, very dangerous. So yeah. They're two I'd take, and if it's a try win combo at about $1.45, I'm sure you'd be getting odds of minimum mid-twos for those two guys, even though they're probably more popular try scorers. Trying to find it here. Try scorer markets. Any time try score a match winner double, surely they're right up there in the favourites. Callum Ponga, three dollars to score and Knights to win. Brad Mabes, three thirty. I'll tell you what really hurt last night. I backed the margin band Roosters to win by forty to fifty. They won by thirty eight. I'll tell you what hurt for me on the weekend. I backed the trail with boosted odds on Bet Easy. Whatever it was. I got fourteen dollars and when I thought he dropped that one, but he didn't. And then in the Dragons I backed Ravalawa. Dufty doesn't throw him the ball the first time. Gets denied his try. Dugan gets an easy try set up the other end, and then Ravalawa scored the next try. Yeah. So I should have just had Roosters to win 30 plus. Oh, I had a stupid one. I, I picked too many legs because I keep seeing all these people put it's in 24 these. 24 nil after whatever yeah. it was. I was like, well, I'm homey. Everyone's going same game and putting these 10 leggers winning three grand. I had Tedesco. I actually thought it'd end up 50 to 60 yeah. if I got beat. Not below 40, but anyway. Well, I had Tedesco to score two or more. Tick. Brett Morris to score. Tick, Roosters 13 plus, tick, but I had Daniel Tupa. He was heading for the corner at one stage and he pulled up and headed back infield. Mm. And I was yelling at the TV. Just going, what are you doing? You've just cost me $300. Do you not understand I've had a bet on you? That's right. And you're heading for the <laughs> corner, you're eight foot tall, you could literally put your arms out, inspect a gadget and score. Yeah, something. And he didn't. Something for the punters, Daniel. You love scoring, Daniel. Why? Why me, mate? Why now, Daniel? Why are you shitting on me, mate? Look, just, if you could do me a favour here, mate, I'm struggling for some cash. I've been I've just bought hard. a new car. I need you to just, just reach out with your giant arms, your bloody giraffe, and score. Yeah. But no. That's it, all. He wanted to head back into the thick of the traffic and run into three blokes and fuck me. It's poor form. Come on, Daniel. You killed me. You're killing me. There you go. Done for another week. Good time. Sure are, my friend. Uh, We'll keep posting up that discussion page over the next few weeks so some people can get some eyes on it and jump in and join. Start a bit more discussion on some bits and pieces. Uh, And as we said before, if you haven't rated and reviewed us on iTunes and you've been a long-time listener, especially on iTunes, get on board. Yeah, something. Chuck us a rating, chuck us a review. Uh, as we said before, iTunes, Spotify now on board as well. And maybe in the next couple of weeks, we might have to do a game companion or two. Sounds good. Have a look at the draw, sort out some weekends where, you know, we can maybe watch a game. Obviously, things are a bit different now that there's kids and misses and other things in the fold as compared to a few years ago, but... I'm sure we can pick a couple of games out that are coming up. Yeah, of course we can. Sort something out. There you go. Everyone out there, enjoy your week. Enjoy your rugby league. Enjoy the sound quality. That's right. Sorry about the phones, but it is what it is. It's been a pandemic. Yeah, it's not even just that. It's been work. It's been time. Like, And, you know, you've got two kids. I can't come running over here and yelling at the top of my lungs at every time of the night. So, No, it's not. seems to work well, though, so... We've got in a bit earlier with work and everything else, and it's uh, worked out. So from now on, hopefully this will be back to the new normal, all through the the microphones rather than over the phone and other bits and pieces. So we're apologising for that, but that was the situation. So free content, motherfuckers. That's right. So good times.
big thanks as always to Penrith Solar Centre. Like we said again, if you're looking for a system, get on board. There is no one better. www.penrithsolar.com.au or 1800 And another thing, coming out of COVID, we're all looking to party. Plug the old man, Penrith Party High. If you're yeah. in our area, Greater Western Sydney, Blue Mountain, City Guy, he goes everywhere, the bastard. He loves a party. <laughs> you go anywhere to it's right. anywhere to make a buck. But if you're looking to party, you, you, you want a gathering. Like I ate the can my thirtieth. I was pretty disappointed about that. When's like, that getting reskid? As soon as it allowed to be a hundred people in the backyard, it's on like Donkey Kong. Super. But if you're like me and you've uh, had your party shit canned or any situation like that, and you're within sort of uh, reach of Sydney, Western Sydney, Blue Mountains region or anything, give our old man a call. Penrith Party High. Yeah, tell them you listen to the podcast, we'll give you a discount. That's right. Get on the Google machine. I don't have the phone number off the top of my head. I'm a shit son, but it's not hard. Google Penrith Party Hire if you're looking to party. Good times. There you go, Boxhead. I'll see you next week. You will. Enjoy your week, everyone, and enjoy your rugby league. Bring it on. Give us small. Give us small. Where are you going? Where, what, 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 what's going on here? Is that it? Is that it? Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.